Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to Petty Little Things with your hosts, Victoria Secret and Davina Divine. Hey, petty, Hi, bitches. petty bitches. Hi, yep. everyone. This is Victoria and... This is Davina Fine. And welcome back for another delicious episode of Petty Little Things Podcast. Glamorous and madness as always. Indeed. We had um, a, a double episode uh, on our last one, which was National Coming Out Day. But we're back with some more, maybe more funner topics this week, would you say? Well, seasonal. <laughs> Let's just say seasonal. We probably both sound a little um, bet down at the moment because obviously uh, the second strict lockdown was announced last night. It is Tuesday, um, and neither of us are in very good form because uh, our lives are on hold. <laughs> so uh, bear with us. We're going to try and keep it a COVID-free zone, right, Davina? Yeah, we're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> It really feel like somebody just ran over me. Um, but yeah, we also recorded an episode yesterday with our gal pal. Um, Adore Delano was in Dublin the last two weeks uh, while she was isolating. And her isolation finished yesterday. So we got her in the studio for an episode that is coming up soon. Which was actually really fun. That was actually good crack. It was great to kind of actually just chat and you know get her perspective on things so i'm looking forward to you all hearing that absolutely she you know she just started an only fans which kind of has been on my radar a bit at the moment because i feel like it's almost like if you're not on only fans in 2020 are you even a drag queen uh there's a lot of only fans going on isn't it but like what kind of content are people putting up that's what i'm kind of curious about i know we spoke about this before about OnlyFans and like it's it's got a certain niche market, but like are all these people are they putting it all up? Like, do you mean? mean are they going fully balls deep naked? Yeah. Um, I think 
But for real, like everyone, it, like is starting an OnlyFans at the moment. I feel like, like m- well, most of them, probably all their dick pics are all have been sent around Grinder anyway. But they're still doing it. It's kind of funny that we were like joking about that for weeks, and now it's actually become like a reality. It's like self, <laughs> it's like a prof- profitization. It's like. <laughs> so when are you starting your OnlyFans? Uh, that's not for me, honey. No, no judgment, but it's not for me. <laughs> you wouldn't show your dips out for the world, though. No. No, I show enough. <laughs> <laughs> Here, do you think maybe what if Twink started an OnlyFans in twenty twenty? Oh my god, that's odd. That would actually finish off twenty twenty really well, wouldn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't love to see those big ditties hanging off her knees, like. Oh my god! Ideal. What was the crack with her getting removed from like the supermarket? Oh, she was asked to leave because of her pigeon or whatever she carries on her shoulder. Uh, she calls the, she has a bird called Timberlake. Uh huh. For those of you that don't know, that Twink is this um, iconic grand dame, kind of like panto dame of our, in Ireland. Yeah. And she has been knocking around for about 200 years. Okay. And she basically, she's she's always on TV, giving out and causing murder. She's iconic for that reason. Uh, uh, but she has a, she had a pigeon or not a pigeon, maybe a parrot. A pigeon. <laughs> 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 the birds tuppence the bag I'm in no fucks mood given today so okay. she had some she had some pigeon on her shoulder that she calls Timberlake and she calls Timby for short so super value is a supermarket here in Ireland and they uh, had asked her to leave you can't have animals in the store which is ironic because she was in there so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah so they were told that she had to leave the store no animals allowed and somebody had referred or somebody had compared Twink it's like having the queen and her corkies being asked to leave like come on oh my god the <laughs> queen and her corkies get a fucking grip is it like a cockatoo or something like oh listen i don't know she was on lodging with lucy have you watched that no i i can't with lucy kennedy she just makes me want to throw the you? tv out the, the window do you know what like i've met her a couple of times she's actually a really nice person yeah but she's fair she's got that like it's one quality I don't know if they teach it in like broadcasting school here in Ireland you know that really just like hi I'm really good fun you know that quality (laughs) but you're actually not fun at all but you're really like not fun you know you're not gonna have like a great night out with her someone's gonna go to bed I'm a bit tired guys I'm gonna go home you know like (laughs) you know the person talking about like that's yeah I, I don't know if that's you have to have that that either quality to to go and learn presenting or they teach it to you in school okay you really have to like tone it down guys you can't show any real personality so i don't know like claudia winkleman she's kind of like the irish yeah she rots me as well i'm not not a fan i'm not a fan of her at all like it's just very and you know this pretending to be really stupid what the hell is that about it's not funny like and i just like mary or you know, Marie up in Skegness, is she laughing her head off at Claudia Winkleman? Like, who are these people made? I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I really don't get it. But then again, I don't seem to get a lot of things these days. Oh, <laughs> do you know what you do get? Lots of tweets. Um, but come here. I love, one of the things I love about you on this podcast is that um, we could be talking about something that's really Irish and you'll make the effort to explain it just in case someone's listening from other places. And the reason I say this is, you know, I love myself some statistics girl yeah and we moved to Acast and obviously we have more access to see where people are listening from yeah bitch we charted recently in Luxembourg Netherlands Hungary Finland New Zealand Spain I feel like we're the Spice Girls of the podcast world now when I say charted it could be you know (laughs) 
<laughs> it's, it's not, not a road. road. <laughs> it's not a road. It's more Lisa Scott Lee chart position than anything uh, else. But speaking still. of uh, speaking of the Spice Girls, actually, you know, so I've been getting into Audible lately. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of my audiobooks. I finished Mariah Carey's book finally. I thought it would never end. <laughs> oh, I'm only an hour in, so I still have like eleven hours. Like to go. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was really good, but it was just it was going on, and I was like, oh god, really? and just. And she never mentioned Eminem, which I'm kind of disappointed about. Oh, and that was a big moment. But I do feel yeah. there was more than meets the eye to that story and that she's afraid the full story might come out. Yeah, if she I don't think there. she's as innocent as she makes out. No. And also, uh, so because I've been listening to Audible, you know, uh, I decided to get Mel B's book. Okay. And it's really good. Like, it's very harrowing. And I, I thought to myself... I was like, I'm going to skip the first couple of chapters because I don't want to hear about when she was a kid. Because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I just want the Spice Girl stories and I want the bit where the sh- she was Laz. Yeah, I want the showbiz kind of story. So I thought I was being real clever, skipping a few chapters in. But I was like, what is going on with this book? So she kept jumping from, like, you know, being a child to being in the Spice Girls to being married to Stefan Belafonte or whatever his name is. And it was hopping all over the place. So I was like, what is going on here? And then only later in the book I realised that she's got ADHD. And that's how her mind works. So she has written the book like her mind kind of tells it. So she'll start one thing and she'll drift off to another. So that was kind of interesting. So would you recommend it? Have you finished that one as well? Well, do you know what? I would recommend it. However, this week with all this lockdown crap going on and this like doom and gloom, it was very depressing. Like I actually stopped myself. I was getting ready for a gig yesterday and I stopped my tracks and I said, I can't listen to this anymore. Like she was talking about like, you know, the domestic abuse and it was just like so harrowing. And I was like, this is not what you need to be listening to (laughs) when you're on the verge of like, you know, looking down and going with this lockdown. So I was like, I'm sorry, Melanie. I'm sorry, Melanie. I'm gonna have the melody. Why does melody always sound like she's a blocked nose? Like melody. Well, Mel melody. Her mother sounds exactly the same, and her mother wrote a chapter as well. Oh wow! And yeah, her her daughter Phoenix, Phoenix Che. She she talks like beavers and boys. <laughs> so they write a chapter, and she's like, "I said, ah, melody. What's wrong with your melody?" Like, just the mother's voice is exactly the same as Melby's, but, like, it's hilarious. Oh, they, my God. Well, I don't know. Like, I'm going to see how I get on with um like, with the Mariah yeah. one first. But Davina did tell me a way of getting, like, a free credit on all the books. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so maybe I will do a second book after all. Definitely. <laughs> have you listened to that Mariah one? And I was like, no, I haven't. She was like, well, this is how you get the book for free. And then you'll get another credit for this. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, right. Well, I'll do two books. So yeah, well, I got the Mel B one for free as well. So I'm like, because it takes you so long. I'd like listen to it like every now and again. I wouldn't be listening to it like for sitting down for four hours at a go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Although I did realize if you were going to do like a book club or something, that would be a really quick way to like, you could literally just sit down and listen to it. Yeah. And now we're like, we've got fucking loads of time. So I might start War and Peace. War and Peace. So basically, you're starting it. You're calling it now Davina's Book Club starting next week. Every week, read a book with Davina. Love it. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's going to read a bitch, I can tell you. Well, speaking of reading bitches, um, you saw the gays that were doing the flash mob to Gary oh. at the wedding. And uh, lots of people had opinions on that. I oh. had an opinion, and I was like. I... I think people took it up a bit like negatively that I couldn't be happy for people getting married. Two guys get Which married. Which is true. Like, oh, no, I don't give a fuck if you get married. More power to you. What I do have a problem with is flash mobs. They're disgusting. Stop doing them. Like nobody needs that. Nobody's going to enjoy that moment except Victoria. you using 
your own wedding as an event and a moment for you <laughs> Victoria, to, uh, to perform. I am here with you and I stand with you, sister. I stand with you on this one wholeheartedly. We can lock hands like Red Rover and like not let the bastards through. <laughs> I stand with you on this. I thought that was fucking disgusting. I don't care if it's your day. I don't want to fuck. I don't need to see that, yeah. as Valerie Cherish would say. <laughs> I deleted stupid love by Gaga after that performance. Well, it's so funny. Um, a friend of ours actually shared it yesterday, the same clip, but on Facebook, uh-huh. and said, oh my god, this is so sweet, and I just replied, it's fucking gross, so <laughs> don't it. I just, it's not for me, I'm not that happy, shiny person, I'm just not that, and if you're listening to this and you don't like that, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Do you know who I think would enjoy that clip, like, musical theatre people, like, not... Well, that's actually someone, that's actually someone who shared it, so... <laughs> Okay, okay. I know a queen, actually, as well, who got married, like, a couple of years ago, who shall remain nameless, who actually, on her wedding day, went off, and she had a beard at the time, she went off and shaved and got into drag and performed a show at her own wedding. You're fucking kidding. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah, I swear to God. And it was, like, a really, like, full-on, like, intensive show. Like, so... That's gas in more than one way. I know, I know. And again, no judgment, whatever, it's your wedding. I'm like, that's fine, but I... Not for me. No, but also, she made sure to have the beard for the photos first. Yeah, I I know, that's what (laughs) kills me. That's what kills me. It was like, look how manly I am. am. Oh, look at me now, I'm in a leotard. (laughs) (laughs) So me me and Davina definitely have some certain feelings about that, you know, this like kind of like, oh, one minute I'm a big man, and the next minute I'm, oh, I'm a lady in a leotard. Like, get a grip, you're the same person. I'd rather you were just a manly woman. Like, I could take that, Yeah. you know? Yeah. They're my favourite women. (laughs) Um, Davina was just on a Zoom call um, about a gig that we're doing just before this so I got on the phone to her straight afterwards and you know we've had a lot of Zoom calls we're a little bit stressed by them but it reminded me I forgot to tell you this Dee that I had a Zoom uh, meeting um, last week and I switched it on and went to like (laughs) click off the camera and the mic because I was going to get dressed and I was like stark Stark. Oh no! And I had that dread, like as soon as, because someone started talking, and I was like, "Oh my god, has my camera gone live? Like, am I Starkers in front of this client that is going?" Oh my god! Me, like, did that, you have um? Did you have the mic on? The mic was on, but not. So the could they hear you jumping off the wardrobe into the dress? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely pepperoni nipples. Imagine those those staring down. Oh my god, every time I order a pepperoni passion from Domino's, I think of you. Oh, you're so kind. You're so kind. Um, Speaking of weird things that I have been watching beyond gays that are doing uh, dances. Well, not weird, but I didn't really enjoy it. And everyone's been raving about it was Shit's Creek. Have you watched it? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Like, I'm not a I'm not a sitcom kind of person. Like, I'm a bit more documentary, um, easy view and reality. I like. I just. I. I don't know. I just. I can't commit. My mind drifts. Well, it's five seasons or six seasons long. I know. Okay, six, I love the the seasons. mother who was you know the mother in Home Alone. I love yeah. her as an actress. So I, her name's Moira Rose, and she's got wigs like tons of wigs, and she calls them her girls, which I do enjoy that. Yeah. But um, it also... Oh, people of, seem to love it. Like, it's Oh, getting, they love it. Yeah. But that's why I was like, I stubbornly was sticking through it. But the wigs thing reminded me of Lisa Rinna, and I was like, 
the gays are going wild for uh, this character calling her wigs different names. I was mm-hmm. like, that is a hundred percent. Lisa Rinna has ripped that from this show and gone. Yeah, and the way she's given them little like sexy names and stuff like that. Yeah, well, a hundred percent. It's. I, I'm not gonna. I don't think you should watch it. I feel like season one, two, three. I was like, oh my god. Okay, I'm just gonna get through it. I'm gonna get through it. Four was okay. Five was okay. Six was great. But I was just so stubborn. I was like, why are people loving this? I need to stick with this and see what's well, happening. Well, the way things are now, I'm like, I'm kind of. I probably end up watching everything because there's gonna be fuck all to do over the next couple of weeks. So true. So just stick that on. Have you been watching? Yeah. Anything? Uh, do you know I've actually I've actually been quite busy. Like I've been doing like I so we did this festival for Dublin City Council last year mm-hmm. called Dockers and Demons, which was actually really fun. It was a big Halloween festival, and they were going to do it again this year. They had like a big ring, uh, like a circus. Uh, what's it called big top circus? Yeah. So they had like a big show and circus. And it was actually it was on Halloween night last year. It was brilliant. Okay. So 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 much fun. Me and the girls did it, and they were going to do it again this year. But they were going to do it like for a couple of extra nights, and it was everyone was really looking forward to it. So it's kept changing and shifting. So they're basically doing this kind of virtual thing. Okay. So last night I was doing this gig for the virtual event. It's it's called House of the Broken Birds this year. Oh, okay. And that it's all about very apt for you at the moment. You're well, a I, broken bird. Well, I'll tell you this. So we went down to shoot like my kind of scene. So I had to basically perform a song. This was the deal. So I had to perform a song dressed as a kind of like a, an exotic bird in a cage. So they had this huge cage that I had to get into and it's in this kind of spooky haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, Called and the boiler house, was it? Yeah, the boiler house up the top floor where it's all dark. <laughs> 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 and they put me in the cage, right? And I was in this like exotic bird costume and they were like, oh, hang on, we're just going to go and check the lights. <laughs> so they all just like fucked off and left me in this cage. And I swear to God, I like honestly nearly burst into tears because I felt, I was like, this is so how I feel right now. Aww. I feel like, I feel like this really colourful exotic bird stuck just like at the top of the stairs, just going, hello, uh, <laughs> uh, hello, <laughs> get down there. <laughs> and the song had to be real kind of spooky and it was a bit sad. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, this this is like life imitating art right now. This yeah. is, this is my fucking life now. I'm like a bird in a fucking cage. And I don't know if we're ever going to get out of this cage. Well, the saddest part about that story is normally on a Monday, you would be too dehydrated from drinking all weekend to even yeah. be able to cry. So you telling me true. that you wanted to cry on a Monday and you were able to. Yeah, I said I like... wanted to. I said I wanted to. I didn't. Oh, you didn't. Okay, <laughs> <No>. thank God. <laughs> I haven't cried in years, bitch. <laughs> uh, when, where can people watch that, by the way? It's, uh, it's going to be out, I think, like a Halloween week. Okay. So I'll share I'll share it on my social media and stuff. Um, but the costume was fab. They made me this amazing bird costume. It was actually fabulous. And I'm like, oh, well, that's lovely. I can hang that up now and leave it to fucking gather dust till next fucking year. Because I'm not like I'm going anywhere. Is you would love it, actually. You would love it. <laughs> yeah. um, I had my COVID test this morning because on Saturday, fingers crossed on Saturday, I go to the UK. I hadn't had... I have to have a COVID test, by the way, to work in the UK. That's why I'm getting really? it, not because I feel sick. Um, yeah, but I hadn't had one before, and it was fucking gross. Oh, so, well, firstly, they, they get the swab out, and you pull up in your car, and she was like, okay. Um, Were you I playing don't... Mariah Carey music? <laughs> Blast <Yeah>. along. <laughs> yeah. When you walk you know what I actually was? I was playing Mariah's book. <laughs> right Were you? In the queue, the whole way up. I see, that was my psychic moment. 
so they got the swab and they said, okay, you might gag now with this. And mm. internally I went. <laughs> it's been <laughs> <Okay>. a while. <laughs> so they got the swab, they shoved it down my throat and I was like, okay, that's fine. But then they shove it up your nostril and I felt like. I thought you were going to say shove it up your nostril. <laughs> 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 but I was like, oh, like, it's horrible. It practically goes back to your brain. Like. Well, at least you know there's something in there. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that's true. But anyway, so I'm anxiously waiting my little results to, to get them, I presume. Well, I hope I hope it's a fucking positive. Oh, sorry, I hope it's a negative because I don't want to hear those numbers going up anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Not because you want me to go and go no. this rock and go work for a bit. No, if you if you become a statistic, that's it, we're done. <laughs> so like, um, I had to sc- uh, reschedule so many events. Well, they oh, were kind of already in place. I, f- I feel so bad for you with all that going on. Like, you've really, like, had to just move and shift all that stuff. I just, I don't know how, mm. I don't know how you're so perky. Like, it's fucking painful. Like, it's there's, painful. there's supposed to be four different events this month in Dublin and Cork, and they're just not going to happen. And obviously, I was thinking I of ways to make them happen. And, yeah. like, when you were doing those 100 people a gig, I was like, that's grand. Yeah. The girls had agreed to do, like, smaller groups of people, and mm. we just banged through a few shows in one night. And yeah. I was like, fair play to them. They obviously want to get back to work, but obviously now that can't happen. So, yeah, they're all moving to 2021. So, um, but to be fair, you know, the one thing about Irish people is they're actually pretty sound when it comes to like going you know what can be done here they, yeah they're not irrational do you know what i mean so everyone's been well some of them are <laughs> everyone's been pretty sweet about it um, yeah no and that's it and uh, people want people want like the old life back they want entertainment they want the arts they want all that well it's just been gaa no Oh, well, that's the main thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think we should start a drag team because at least then people could watch us. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we've got a deal, but what's that um, that sports channel called in Ireland? Um, is this Satanta Sports? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I know that. <laughs> yeah, the, dra- the drag ladies of GAA. At least they could actually, and we'll lip sync while playing the game, but not really playing the game at all. Just like really like crazy. Can I ask you, do you ever, um, when you're out walking, do you ever like lip sync to yourself walking along? I do like full performance oh. and like eyes and all, like all the time. <laughs> shoulders walking up the street. <laughs> all the time. And sometimes I forget and then I get really embarrassed. I'm like, oh fuck, Jesus. One great thing about wearing a mask out is that you can do all like the high notes and all. You're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, the, I go for it in the car as well. Actually, um, two of the ones that you'd love a bit of lip syncing to are back this month. Uh, Adele's back and Ariana's back. Who are you more excited to see, hear the new music from? Um, Ariana Grande just doesn't excite me at all, to be honest. <laughs> like, at all. Except like, the high ponies. Not even that. I'm over it. It's like, she's dressed like a 13-year-old girl. Not into it. Um, and Adele, like, I, I don't know. It's... Like, I like the music, but I'm very curious to see what way this is going to go. And that I'm always just sketchy of the dramatic weight loss. I don't know. They're just Ooh. I'm always just a little bit like, is she, are you okay, hon? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm curious. I, 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 I don't see weight. I never see weight. So it's like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see, though, what direction she's going to bring it. Like, because, you know, she always did the glam gown moment and, a, like, assess hair like yeah. is that still going to be what she does I hope so because I think that's what the fans expect or kind of like even like maybe go a little bit tempo but I think if she starts going like I, I, I can't see her deviating from the plan so much because I think that's who she is in her, as an artist I think she's like a songwriter vibe so yeah. yeah hopefully she sticks with it 
Like, well, I mean, the most exciting thing about it is it's more music that we can't perform to in the George. So that's exciting, that's right? Great, yeah. Like absolutely. pop music came back in 2020 for after four years of shite music, and we're like, oh no, can't perform that yet. Great. Yeah, I know. It's outrageous. Um, before we move on to our little topic, I want to tell you a little story that you'll get a good laugh out of. Okay. So my mom, she, her neighbour, you know, you know the way Irish people do these like, oh, I heard from my friend's son who's in the army, whose yeah. daughter... Balance, balance, tight information. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, her next door neighbour said, um, they're going to shut the off licences as part of the next lockdown. So my mom freaked out now my mom oh. like isn't a big drinker like you or me but like she enjoys a glass of wine so she went out like within the hour hit up the off license and spent 500 euros on wine she got bottles of red she got bottles of white she got bottles of rosé none of which are the kylie ones which is kind of homophobic <laughs> but okay like can you believe that like within an hour just because the next door neighbor went oh they're shutting the off licenses now, because I know Trish, I can believe it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> if you're listening, Trish, now I see you. We see each other. Um, fair play to her. Go if we run yeah, through. and she'll be able to put them down in the basement wine cellar. <laughs> Keep it stuck up. As part of her yeah. lockdown project at the moment. <laughs> She's dead, um, right? That is the start of our episode. We're going to um, take a very short break after this jingle and speak about our worst Halloween costumes. So we're back after that short little jingle and we're going to talk about our worst Halloween costumes and you're going to share some of uh, your worst Halloween moments with us also. So uh, what about you, Victoria? What's been going on in your Halloween past? Well, I mean, like, I feel as ladies who are 29, we, I mean, there wasn't money spent on Halloween costumes when we did Halloween as kids. Like, um, so I remember, like, my mama was just being very creative about what she was going to stick us in. And um, I do remember one year, obviously, the classic Irish costume was the black bin bag. And I feel like if you didn't wear a black bin bag at some point, did you even celebrate Halloween? But mm. one year, my mom got pseudocream out and she was going to make me, you know, deathly pale. So, <laughs> so she covered my whole face in pseudocream. And... Um, I, I'm a bit of a sensitive soul, so, <laughs> so I was starting to like tingle and burn after about ten minutes. But she sent me along to the neighbor's um, children's party, so I went to the the children's party, and I kept telling. Was it like layered on thick? Oh, like layered icing. on thick, like Ugh. like someone who's trying to get a zit get rid of a zit like but like my whole face so oh i kept telling God. the adults that my face was burning <laughs> <laughs> but they were like no you're grand you're grand totally fine don't worry about it until i got home and the pseudocream came off and my face was like chemically burned raw. <laughs> <laughs> like that sticks out my mind the most as like the worst that my mom did for sure like a juvenile yeah. uh, face peel. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. There was, like, a couple. I, I was always very into the dressing up when I was a kid. Okay. Like, I'd have a very, like, the creative output would be there. Like, I wouldn't be taking heat from... Nobody would be putting me in the black bags. I'd be like, I'd have, me, I'd have, I'd have the idea. Now, don't get me wrong, they'd be, try, they'd be trying. But I'd always have the idea. And I remember um, one Halloween... Well, actually, it's two Halloweens when I was a kid. I remember there was this girl who lived across the road from me when I was a kid, and she had, she was spoiled rotten. She had, like, all the best toys, all the best, um, 
all the best of everything. Okay. And I feel like you've told me about her before. Yeah, she was she was fab, and we used to go over and like she'd have all like brand new board games and like literally it was like walking into Smith's. Like I've never seen to this day even a child have so much. So and I obviously didn't have that that much stuff. So it was a nice little uh, breakaway over to her house. Okay. And one day we were over there. It was around Halloween time, and I remember she had this like dress up kit, and she was like, "Oh my god, it's nearly Halloween. We should dress you up. Let's dress you up as a girl." right and i was like oh i was like okay and she was like i remember in the in the dress up kit there was like there was obviously makeup and there was a wig but the wig was a purple tina turner style like glam rock 80s wig (laughs) right i always remember that and there was like the picture of the girl on the box wearing the wig and so she dressed me up but she put me in like her clothes and everything i remember she put me in these white tights and like gold ballet pumps you know like that style yeah and put makeup on me and literally said right now we have to give you a name and we're uh, and i was like oh and she goes do you know what she gave she gave me a name darina <laughs> <laughs> darina was my name and she basically said, right so this i don't know how i agreed to this actually so she um she said right what we have to do is we have to go over to your house we have to like knock on your door and you have to ask if you're home <laughs> <laughs> So I went over and I basically knocked on the door and like my dad answered the door and this is like small child in a purple wig on the doorstep and he's like he's totally playing along he's like oh what's your name and I'm like Darina <laughs> <laughs> and I was basically asking was I home and he's like no no like don't know where he is he's he's not here and I was just like howling and then. So that was that was one thing that I remember just going. I don't even know how I agreed to, to let her drag me out in public. I remember it was like daylight and everything. I feel like you need to recreate that. Oh, I feel like I have many a fucking time too. I feel like I kind of did it last last night in the cage. Um, and then the other time was I had this other friend who lived around the, the other side. And he was a real lad. He was a real boy. And we were like we were trouble together. Like we'd always be. We were bold. Okay. <laughs> and we decided to dress up. We we were going to a Halloween party and we were like what are we going to dress up as so two of us want to do something together so we came up with dressing up as the granny bashers <laughs> do you remember people who say granny bashers yeah. Yeah. we were the granny bashers I had this old skaggy grey like this old skaggy grey wig and I just kind of put the wig on and just wore like you know an old dress or something but my friend around the corner took it to the next level he had a nanny headscarf you know one of those little nanny headscarves yeah 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 his mom's like blouse and like a long skirt kind of like roma gypsy style but i always remember that the boobs were huge they were like each boob was like a full pillow (laughs) that he had and we were walking around literally and i don't know if we thought that we were people we were i think we were grannies that bashed people (laughs) so we were like all the kids are like terrified of their life running away from the granny bashes they were my two halloween memories that stick out my mind but i always just love halloween obviously i love we love dressing up of course we do that's why we do it well i don't know about that because now like flash forward like if like two things if i'm not working on halloween even if it's halloween night i am not putting on a costume in any way like like female or male presenting it is not happening like it is just like I'd rather just be in runners jeans and a nice top. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I th- see. I think because I work in makeup and stuff, I don't mind doing that. If it's for an occasion, I wouldn't dress up just on Halloween just for the sake of it. If there was a Halloween party or there's a, I love a theme. If somebody yeah. sets me a theme for a party or an event, yeah. I love getting into it that way. But I wouldn't just off the back go, oh, I'm going to be a period clown. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so 
if there's a theme or a tone set, I will do it. I will deliver. Yeah, you're a bit more into it when you're in drag, like in general. I don't even like getting like the Halloween garb on when I'm already in drag. I'm like, I'm already dressed up. Like, what more do you want from me? Well, a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we have some stories from uh, the listeners who sent them in. Right, let's go. Uh, Jay Face on Instagram said, when I was about 12, I dressed up as a woman. Not even a famous person or anything. A woman. Just that was a very woman. popular. A yeah, woman. Yeah, was, that was very popular. Yeah, very. What are you? I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that. <laughs> uh, my brother stuck a sign on my back just before we left that said, 50p a ride. <laughs> <laughs> also, we still do that. <laughs> <laughs> my brother and cousin were laughing so much calling me a cheap hooker and I was so annoyed and upset I cried and just didn't go out that Halloween ah god (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is from Aaron S Uh, I dressed as a cake one Halloween a few years ago I finished the costume on the day late at night it was so big that no taxi would take us (laughs) so I had had to walk through town in it I got to the George and the paint was still wet so everyone I walked past got a lovely streak of red paint on them I spent an hour in the smoking area until eventually the costume just fell apart (laughs) oh my god oh poor Aaron I wonder what cake it was uh, I'm going to guess a red velvet if there was like red on it. Okay, the next one was from AVE Creations. I wanted to be a goth as a little gay child. You know I had a vision. However, my mom was very much being a non-artsy person. Told me she had everything for my costume. Lo and behold, she didn't. A leather jacket, try a black t-shirt and some old leggings. <laughs> Face paint, try Elizabeth Arden uh, in shade toasty beige. I <laughs> ended up looking like someone's nan. <laughs> <laughs> not a goth at all uh, okay uh, let me see do, 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 do. Halloween costume This um, when I was a kid I was obsessed with beauty and the beast for years I was that obsessed I wanted to be a feckin' Lumiere <laughs> uh, I made my poor ma sew a costume that she had to sew me into but she sewed the arms standing standing upwards because it was that tight I had to keep my arms up all night long oh poor bitch (laughs) I had wallpaper as candlesticks even on my head a big circle cut out for my face and it was painted brown the gold material was brown because my ma said it was brass (laughs) Uh, I looked like a lump of shit for the night imagine that walking around the north inner city trick or treating the slaggins were endless nobody knew who I was because the film was out at least four years by then Uh, I live for the podcast every couple of weeks girls thanks so much that's from Sarah Makeup absolutely love it Oh, thank you, Sarah. Uh, I have some really quick ones, so I'll, I'll fly through these. Um, Rockabilly Kitten said, age of 10, parents dressed me up as a lady of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> a lady of the evening. Uh, is, dot, uh, is dot he said, I was a bit of everything as a child. I had a witch's hat on and an eye patch and a school top. Uh, DePoncho said, I went as a used fanny pad and kept spitting out blood and handing girls tampons. Oh my God. <laughs> Love the creativity. <laughs> um, lots of uh, black bin bags. Um, G McNevin 93 said, an alien mask with my school GAA kit. A sports alien I was. Uh, my ma said uh, as she had a, a smoke hanging out of her mouth um, <laughs> uh, let me see Canon FX as, as a kid every year it was a giant uh, bin bag uh, a rubber mask that I couldn't breathe in oh my god do you remember those masks that you couldn't breathe in 
Yeah, most of them. <laughs> We're still wearing them now. <laughs> and Colin Horgan went as a raped nun. Don't ask. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next. Okaya, <laughs> uh, a dice. Just a, di- a giant box covered in bin bags and paper dots. That is kind of creative, to be honest. Some people get really creative at Halloween, and I love the wackier the better. Oh, no, me too. What is that? Uh, oh, there's a kid in the hallway outside. I didn't oh want to mention gosh. the kid because... You know, your feelings on the kids. Yeah. I smell children. Formula <laughs> <laughs> uh, 86. Let me see. Okay, two last ones. I, Dave Green, said a sumo wrestler costume with a built-in fan to keep the fat suit look. Uh, my brother had the pumpkin version. That was kind of fancy, to be honest. Do you know what? I dressed up as a pumpkin two years ago, and I had that costume with the fan, and I really wanted to just draw my face orange with, like, triangles as my eyes. I did it, and I had a pumpkin hair wig, and I walked downstairs in the George, I was hosting karaoke, and this woman came over and burst my costume within minutes, so I was deflated pumpkin. And when I tell you, I was furious with her. Like, I nearly, I nearly had her thrown out. I was that angry. I was that annoyed. I can imagine, like, there's nothing worse when you've gone to the effort and someone in the smoking area ruins the whole thing. It wasn't even in the smoking area. She was like, oh, like, give me one of those stupid hugs. I was like, oh, my God. That's it. Oh, bless you, Davina. You should dig out that photo and share it on our Instagram. Um, let's finish up with this one. Aaron K underscore 92. A blow-up pumpkin suit when I was already a very, very fat child. The bullying was tragic. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, poor Aaron. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Just some of your Halloween stories. Thanks a million for sending them in. They were gas. Yeah, really fun. Really fun. Um, right. But we do have a special guest still to come. But before that, I don't know what time you think it is, Davina, but I think it's time for some... Rotter of the Week On Fetty Little Things So we are back and we are ready to be rotted and we want to share our Rotters of the Week with you. A lot of things rotting us this week and obviously the obvious, the obvious things. We're not going to go that way. We're going to try and keep it a little bit askew. But I've been keeping notes over the last couple of weeks. My list is growing. It's like Santa's list. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's getting longer and longer. I know um, I've the one, but this time I've got the three, which feels very you energy. Um, yeah. It's been a week. I have to say, one thing that rots me now is uh, people who, like, put road cones outside their house claiming... <laughs> spaces do you know people that do that like that claim this um claim the space that they they own outside their house it's like no this is a public road home people can park wherever you see and then like if you move the cone oh my god world which i love i have there do love moving the cones (laughs) i'm guessing someone near you is doing this at the moment and it's annoying oh constantly constantly and i don't drive so it's like so i don't really give a shit so (laughs) like so but i do it wild yeah Oh, the and the men wild and the ladies crazy. <laughs> uh, so when I see cones there, it's something in me. It's like I like we're gonna park here, and they're like, no, no, there's cones. There. I'm like, no, no, we're gonna park here. <laughs> so I'll get out as the passenger and move the cones, cause like it's different. Okay, hang on. Like if somebody really needs that space, like if there's like if they're disabled or yes. they need to get in, that's I'm totally fine with that. But I know people, especially around where I live that just want it because they claim it because yeah. they think they're entitled to it yeah. and no bitch that's not how we roll here in like a free world so i love winding them up and then you always see someone will run out you can't be moving those cones i'm like why can't i 
<laughs> you know this they're like what i'm keep i'm i'm keeping that space i'm like uh, for who you don't even own a car do you know what i mean some some of these people don't even own cars and i'm like you can, you just don't want a car outside your house yeah yeah so i actually would be afraid to see you behind the wheel of a car like because i suffer with road rage but i feel like you would take it to the next level like so i don't <laughs> think you should ever get a car is what i'm trying to say like mm. no i would get really like really raging yeah, i would been in the car a few times when i've had some road rage but the, i don't know if you were in the car with me this one time but this woman was like really aggressive um trying to uh like move me over in the lane and um she just beeped really horribly at me and then um stuck her finger up at me right so i <laughs> rolled down the window and i said excuse me love if you're at least going to give me the middle finger you might actually put a nail on it before you uh lift that finger up at me or something <laughs> obnoxious like that which you know i was basically being asked to be called like all sorts of um, homophobic turns there but <laughs> I, I got away with it <laughs> I think she was just sh- so shocked that that's what I came for about like I love when you're out driving and somebody is like there's a quiet driver and somebody like really overreacts like there's a beep or whatever like I lunge across the seat like as if I'm the driver yeah. I nearly go out this pa- I nearly go out the driver window and I'm just like I just go to town and I just like vent all my aggression on that one person and then I feel like so amazing afterwards it's like you just feel like your chakras are aligned your aura is cleansed and you're peaceful again so I think what we should do is be in the same social bubble then that we're apparently allowed to and let's go for a drive and get some of this aggression out no (laughs) I'm up for it (laughs) go on what's your next uh, rudder Oh, we're doing two, are we? Oh, we're going oh, amazing. It's like Christmas. Like, I think we deserve one, don't we? Yes. Oh, God. I have to pick carefully now because... Let me see. Okay. I, this is going to be a little controversial. Oh, I'm ready. I love the controversial ones. Um, People who get multiple engagements. Oh? Yeah. So people that are, like, engaged to one person. Mm. Which I'm not talking about people that are, like, you know, getting married. Like, I'm talking about these serial engagement. In, yes. Serial serial enfiances. Yes. Like, they get engaged to every single person they're going out with. Yeah, like, me life. I'll tell you this now, right? So I'm from a broken home, and I take marriage very seriously. I'm not marrying kind. Mm-hmm. And I, if I was ever going to get married, like, I honestly, I would t- I take it so seriously. Yeah. So... The fa- like for me to even be engaged like I that puts shit up me even thinking about it so the fact that these people willy nilly just like hop into this like it just it gives me it really irks me and they seem to just be like oh yeah and then I'd like you know they can see them on Facebook a couple of um, couple of months later and they're like that's not the fiance they had no. like no. <laughs> you know within a couple of months yeah, yeah so yeah, totally. I've noticed a lot of people just like you know they're constantly on fiance constantly like just marriage, not ma- even marriage happen because it's before they don't even get it. And then I wondered, like, did they, did they swap rings and keep the rings and all that shit? Like, that drive me nuts. Yeah, who gets drive to me keep nuts. the rings? Like, who gets the bit of jewellery? I don't know. Like, I, like if I was engaged to someone, like, surely you'd give it back. Yeah, but weren't you tell me in Mariah's book that she sold her engagement ring to that um, really rich man that she was with for a while? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember that bit. She was only with them for like... Uh, uh, like James Packer. Yeah. Yeah. She sold that and like bought herself something gorgeous with it. Like. Well, celebrities are one thing because they live in like a, a really weird world. So it, like you kind of can, you know, excuse that madness because yeah. they're living in madness. But like, you know... How many times ta- has Katie Price been engaged? 
Oh, like, that's, and this is the other thing. This is what rocks me as well. Like, I was a big Katie Price stan from, like, back in the day. Yeah. And just over the years, she's just losing me more and more and more. And now she's like, this guy Carl, she's with, and she's like, oh, he's my world. He's And I'm like, but hang on. Like, the last one that you were with was your world. And the one before that was your yeah. world. It's like, how many worlds, like, I don't know. It's just out of my realm of comprehension. I'm just, yeah. it's not for me. I'm like... Like, to commit something like that is, like, a big deal, no? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, absolutely. If you're going to announce it to the world, at least believe it yourself. Before and you it's it. one thing about, like, being engaged to someone and it doesn't work out, and that's fine. But then to be, like, hopping into it with someone else, like, a week later? Oh, yeah. please, girl, get Scarlet. No, not here Scarlet. for it. Here, to me, I'm a little bit distracted because, um, you know Manning's Bakery? Yeah, of course I do. The van pulled up outside my apartments. Your weekly delivery? (laughs) I can see my neighbour going out to collect a big thing of cakes and I'm so jealous. Why have you not fucking got deliveries on the... (laughs) I didn't know know they did the deliveries. Well, now get the number of the van. Get the number of the van. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get some rotters off my chest. I have two, but I also need to give a very special mention, a brief one. The brief one is Zara. Get your shit together. At H&M. And H&M, I want to buy some of your clothes. I actually want to give you my money. And your cues are a joke. We're supposed to be, apparently, not in places for too long at the moment. Not on top of each other. You go into any of their shops at the moment, the queue's out the door. Um, I did post about this, and someone said that uh, there's some sort of weird rule about people only staying on the floor who are on the floor and not opening up checkouts because you have to be a checkout person. That's not my problem. Sort it out. I keep well, tagging them. I saw Brendan O'Loughlin from 98FM was going off on it and people, everyone's retweeting it people, and liking yeah. it. So clearly people did talk on it. Yeah. And there's no excuse. Like when I worked in retail, I worked for uh, French Connection back in the day and we had to wrap all the clothes in tissue paper. Yeah. I'm telling you now, when that, cri- when that queue mounted, you can guarantee I want that queue gone so I could lean on that counter oh, and chat on the phone. I used to work so, Quinn. Same so thing. I used to fire this, the groceries down. Yeah. Like, none of this, like, hanging around, like, oh, you know, chit-chats at the till. No, keep it moving, bitch. And do you know what's worse? You know that they take, like, ages to put your things in the bag. And they're not even folding them properly. Like, when you were in French Collection, the things had to be, like, nicely folded and stuff. Mm. They lump them in the bag, but it takes, yeah. like, six minutes to get in the bag. And they always leave the fucking tags on. They always, oh, like, you get home, there's, like, a security tag. You're like, oh. But they do have nice bits, so I'll be back anyway. But anyway, tag at Zara under ca- underscore care on Twitter and complain as well if you agree with me. Uh, the next one, another quick one, is the happy pair, guys. I fucking am rotted by them. Like, do they, you? They keep getting um, shown up on promoted posts for me. I have no idea. With some yeah. gut, um, like, what's it called when you do a detox? A gut detox thing. Like, you're weird looking. Are you riding or what? <laughs> like, get off my page. I'm delighted that you're doing this healthy food thing. But, like, how are you promoting to me a drag queen with all the things that I like on Instagram? Where did you get that data that you think I'm going to be your next happy pair customer? Because I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't want to subscribe to your OnlyFans, even if you do one. You're weird looking. It's October now. Stop going into the sea. It's too cold. I don't want to see you dipping into the sea with whatever other people are you wrangling. Would you really not subscribe? To their only fans. No, I might. no, I don't think they're all like that stunning. I think, uh, like, I wouldn't say no. Like, it'd be like late night, you know, if you're having a late night drink, you'd be like, maybe. <laughs> like, now, if it was Rick's Burgers or the Happy Pair Lads, I'm going home at Rick's Burgers because imagine the shit you'd have to listen to them. Don't mention Rick's Burgers. You know, we're still in mourning, we're grieving. 
I'm still grieving for Rick's burgers. To be honest, I love the stuff in there. To be honest, so yeah, like I loved going home, you know, ordering a cheeseburger and then going home with goujons, onion rings, chili fries. Oh, they used to really look after us, didn't they? No one. They used to give us. They would fill us with food. We'd be like going home with like to feed a small family. Yeah. And they get we got a discount card with front yeah. there as well. Oh, okay, enough I, I, have, that. <laughs> I have a card. I, I have a card. <laughs> okay, Scarlet for us. Can you handle some more? Because it's been a really rough week. So I'm. I, I oh, I know. I think we should hold it because we have a fabulous guest coming up. Okay, we just, hold... just a special mention. People that fucking leave Ireland and take on the accent of the place they live in. I know people that we grew up in who are now in the UK, in London specifically. Oh my gosh, I had that on my list as well. Now, <laughs> speak with a London accent. I'm like, sis, you're the same age as us. We're all 29. How are you talking with a London accent? Get a grip. I had the same thing on my page, but it was actually just about people who, who go abroad and bash Ireland. You know, like, oh, is that still going on? Is that still happening? Like, are you still, it's, are you still there? Ugh. It's really annoying. But yeah, you're right. Anyway, we have a fabulous bad. guest coming up, uh, which we have been dying for you all to hear this interview. We've been, we recorded it um, like a couple of months ago, yeah. and it's fabulous. It, uh, so we have Rebecca de Havilland. Um, yeah. She yeah. is... Like, oh, uh, you introduced me to Rebecca mm-hmm. um, when she came back to Ireland, and uh, she had started uh, a modelling agency and uh, but i never truly got to know her and i have to say when davina was lining up this interview uh with rebecca i didn't know how honest and how deep she would share her story which is definitely one that we all need to um hear i know she's written a book as well but i feel like she even went that next step level to talk with us um well what i love about rebecca is rebecca is just so real and she just tells it like it is and this is her story and her truth and i love anyone that can just stand in their own truth and just like tell it like it is it's 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 a brilliant interview yeah so stay tuned um and we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Remember to hop on Apple Podcasts. Leave us um, a five-star review. We've been getting so many in, and I really appreciate it. But it does help us get found. Um, and obviously, bitch, we were number 54 on the podcast charts in Hungary. We are famous <laughs> in Hungary now, bitch. So we're keep, fame hungry. <laughs> keep leaving us uh, those reviews. Yeah. And, uh, and watch out for announcements. I'm not sure if we're doing more digital shows. Uh, we have one in the pipeline for October 30th but right now we're both feeling fairly shite so uh, watch out on our social media uh, for announcements about digital shows we shall see and remember everybody stay Stay petty. petty So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest joining us today, all the way from London, uh, a very old friend of mine and uh, someone with an amazing story. And we're so delighted to have her here on Petty Little Things. It is the gorgeous Rebecca Talon de Havilland. Hi, gorgeous. Hi, how are you? So good to... So thank you for asking me. This is a great treat. Oh, uh, well, we were just kind of thank talking you. before we start recording and I had just told Rebecca that myself and Victoria have been literally dying to get you on this for ages and yeah. delays with lockdown and all that has, has just kind of slowed things down. But you have an amazing story. I don't know how we're going to fit it in to, <laughs> to this schedule, into this time frame, but we're going to do our best to squeeze a lot in because it's like you've lived about, like, you know, how many lives, like... 
not just one. Well, uh, you, you could actually turn it into a Netflix screen. I could you, as could, to I'd a point. watch. <laughs> I would watch. Yeah. <laughs> I think before uh, yeah, we start, suppose, Rebecca, we just need to acknowledge we can actually see Rebecca. We normally yeah. can't see people. And uh, this uh, home you're living in looks very glam. I mean, I'm making eyes at the fridge. I don't care if there's nothing in it at all, but it looks gorgeous. When my sister came over, she said to me that I've got an anorexic fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the outside, it looks very glamorous. You've got to say. That's the main thing. Okay. Yes. Well, like, Rebecca, I, 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 we, we, I was kind of trying to decide how, what's the best way to start this interview and kind of, like, as I said, you have an amazing uh, story to tell. And, Thank you. like... Where would you start and tell us a little bit about yourself or your history so people that haven't heard of you before? Um, yeah, I th- do you know what? It's always kind of a good place for me to start, mm-hmm. really at the start, do you know what I mean? And kind of bring it forward yeah. from there because, um, like, I was born in a very small town, Middle Ireland, Granard, County Longford, um, in 1958, which makes me 62 now. Yeah. Um, uh, so basically, from a very young age, I kind of felt very different. Mm-hmm. I'd say from probably about the age of three or four. Okay. Um, and of course, communion came up. And I remember my sister, I'm a middle child as well. Middle Ireland, middle child. Mm-hmm. What oh else God. could go wrong? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm a sister a year older and a brother a year younger. So um, I kind of had to uh, pretend and learn how to walk like my brother. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to walk like my sister. Okay. It was kind of very much like that. So she made her communion first. And I was, I was the only time in my life I've ever been jealous. And so the white dress, the whole thing, yeah. I wanted that. Right. But the next year was my turn. And I managed to convince my granny to actually buy me white shorts, white shirt, little blue dicky bows. So I did kind of bend the rules. I gender bend her to bed. <laughs> Um, and then I suppose the sad part comes then I went in, I was put into boarding school in Dublin at the age of seven. I won't go too much into yeah. this because we wanted to be yeah. a bit jolly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I, I got child abused by two Christian brothers from the age wow. of seven until I was 12, wow. which pretty messed my head up. Mm-hmm. Do you know course, what I mean? Absolutely. Then I came out of there and went into Turner College, a rugby school. Mm-hmm. Hey-ho. <laughs> um, but you know what? I have to say, apart from my abuse from the Christian brothers. I never got bullied in school. And I mm. often hear a lot of either LGBT, you know, kids getting abused. And I was yeah. probably pretty lucky in that sense. Um, I never got abused. But I did get expelled at the age of 15, which and I was quite proud of. At the time. I could tell I yeah. when you said that, I was like, oh, she is proud <laughs> of this. <laughs> and dare I, dare I ask what you got expelled for? I got expelled just for being in you. Well, I actually hit the Irish teacher over... The head. But remember the glontor, yeah. the wooden glontor. Well, not personally now, but <laughs> so I think they thought there was probably time for me to leave school. So I did, and of course, Granny was used to me playing with dolls and allowed me to do all that. Yeah. She was a great grandmother. Awful sorry that I lost her so young because mm. I think my my trans life would have been a lot easier with her around because yeah. she let me wear neck curtains on my head and did the whole thing. But she says, oh, put him in hairdressing. She's always playing with dolls. Yeah. So in, I, I started hairdressing. Now, it was a great time for me being a teenager then because I was a, I was 13 in 1971. Mm. And I know we all go on about gender fluidity and non-binary mm. and all blah, 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 that at the moment. 
But if you take the 70s, it was that yeah, and more. You right, know, you think of yeah. David Bowie, yeah. Mark Gordon, you know, T-Rex, all of that. So I was actually able to fit in there very well. Everyone had long hair. Mm. Nobody seemed to have boobs back then. And you didn't really, you couldn't tell who was Arthur or who was Martha. So, and platform shoes were yeah. in. I mean, come on. It was a great place Perfect to be. Time. So I didn't really have... Mm. Yeah, and I didn't really have to kind of own up to an identity, really, at the yeah. time. I just, and then hairdressing was a great door in for me. Yeah, and Hair- then I was hairdressing seven- seems to be like a safe haven for yeah. lots of LGBT youth. Like uh, we've heard yeah. this story before that, like you know, you're kind of lost in school, and then finding yourself uh, in a hairdresser's amongst women who are supporting you, and kind of getting away from that you know scary place, which is sometimes school. But, you know, it, it just even saying that, like coming back, to that, I think that was probably more later because even in the 70s, um, if you were a hairdresser, you were you were queer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's what you were called was a queer or a puff. Yeah. But a lot of the hair, the male hairdressers were actually straight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. they didn't really want So they didn't really like queers that much. Either. There was still mm. a stigma if you of were course, gay yeah. or if you were LGBT. But it was a safer environment. It was better yeah. that or, or, than a bricklayer. Let's yeah. put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Still is, Rebecca. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> and Rebecca, where did this? Did, were you were you doing the hairdressing down in um, in Middle Ireland or? Were you no, 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 no. No. Once we came. To, once we came to Dublin when I was seven. Oh, you moved. Up. I was. I, I was. Okay. Yeah, I moved up to Dublin when I was seven, and my brother was six, and we would go back to kind of Granard for summer yeah. holidays because we weren't allowed to hang around with people in Dublin, <laughs> and we were always told we're con- you're from the country, you're not from Dublin. <laughs> so um, I suppose we were first generation yeah. in Dublin, really. You know, I'm like my mum was from Longford, my father was from Leitrim, my grandmother was from Wexford, so we were first generation Dublin. So. Yeah. We were cultures and we weren't allowed to forget that. Yeah. But I, it's when you say that, that actually, that's where I kind of like had my first kind of, where you feel you don't fit in. Yeah. Because when we would go down the country for our summer holidays, because we, three months summer holidays, we'd go down with Dublin accents and be called Dublin Jackine. <laughs> by the time we'd come, and then by the time we'd come back, we were cultures. So oh you just, God, think, you just yeah, couldn't win. So, you couldn't win <laughs> but um and then i remember like when i started hairdressing it was really good and i really was mm. able to kind of get lost in myself and then i discovered i was actually really good at hair yeah. and i won young hairdresser of the year i think i was 17 nearly 18 and i won a scholarship in in london which got me into vidal sassoon oh, wow. and l'oreal mm. now up until that to be honest with you, gender-wise, I didn't know who I was. Yeah, yeah. A, I would never have known that there was anything uh, such a thing as a gender, yeah. as a you know, gender reassignment, so, like, tranny, anything. When you were uh, working in the salons of like, did you were you identifying as gay or did you or were you no. not, you weren't identifying as no, gay? So you were just yeah, I was. Just, yeah. I was trying. You know, it was still. It was really weird because I still had to try and pretend mm. I was straight. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I had loads of girlfriends, mm-hmm. but I, do you know what? I often wonder, I'll come to that bit later, yeah. how people didn't 
fuck sorry didn't know <laughs> no you can curse away <laughs> oh my yeah oh my god i didn't know you know, my, my girlfriends and myself we used to go shopping yeah right now what normal straight boy goes shopping <laughs> maybe a bit more today but certainly not back then and i used to pick all the clothes for the girls what they should wear you stylists know I mean? so, yeah. yeah were yes. they were they enjoyable relationships or was it really they just a case a bit, of like feeling like you wanted to do what everyone else was doing um, for years, I didn't really know how to answer that question, but I do now. Mm. Um, they were kind of non-sexual at the start because we were so young. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of got away with that. But as I got a little bit older and the 70s were coming to a close. Um, and I suppose like the late 70s were really good too because then um, Saturday Night Fever had come out and, yeah. and Grease. Do you know what I mean? It was all quite camp and fun. Yeah. But... Boys were starting to look more like boys and girls were starting to look more like girls. Yes. Hair change, everything. So I just thought I, I had ventured into the gay world. Yeah. And that kind of brings it back to, it was brilliant back then because it was so illegal. Do you know was what I mean? That, that, yeah. that was in Dublin. That was in Dublin. Yeah. That was in Dublin. And we used to, Mr. Pussy. Yeah, of course. my dear friend yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. But he had a club on Parnell Square and we used to go down into the basement and you went in at your pearl and there was a bar <laughs> and there was a bar where Break for the Border is now and that Bartley was Dunn's. Bartley Dunn's. And you literally walked up past it and then you walked back again and a few times and then you disappear in. <laughs> and you Waiting made sure turn. you did not clear... Yeah, and you made sure you didn't come out till it was dark because if anyone wow. saw you going in there, you were a puffer, a bender, you were a queer. So it it's was... But, I mean, time, it was yeah. very... Yeah, it was very risky, but you know what? Fun. I was only talking to somebody about it the other day. It was so much fun. Yeah, no. I can imagine. Well, it's you always, you know, you got... yeah, it's always like when the things that you're not supposed to be doing are always yeah. the things that are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you didn't want to let anybody know. So, of yeah. course, me then, I did get a girlfriend and obviously had sex and all of that. But mm. to me, the only way I can answer that question that you just asked me is that when I look back on it now, it was almost like, for me, almost like a lesbian experience yeah, because right. inside I felt yeah. so much like a girl. Yeah. yeah. But I had to pretend. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This boy. Yeah. And of course, me being me, I took it a step further and got married. So why not? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> wow. Why not go the yeah. whole hog? 
was there was that a daunting thing or were you just thinking oh no this is this is the thing to do like honey i picked her dress i picked picked the bridesmaids outfits how they did not know is beyond me how the wedding was not stopped okay well what we can establish is she looked gorgeous the bridesmaids were absolutely stunning the hair was amazing uh absolutely you know I mean, me, if I met a guy like that today and he was, I'd say, sorry, love, I don't think we're made for each other. You know what I mean? But hey, the 70s was so forgiving in so many ways. Do you know what I mean? Right. And we did get married and we did have a baby. And I think that's when when things changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And I I suppose it got real. Yeah. And next of all, I had a little baby girl and um, my life was pretty messed up. It started to get messed up at that stage. I didn't really know what to do. Well, we did split up and then I didn't have any rights over my daughter because then it was then. Completely different time, yeah. Different time. Mm. And I had started working in David Marshall's at the time. I think that was about 1980, 1981. Danielle was born in, yeah, it was 1981. And even in there, I couldn't really come out so much as being gay. But then it got to a stage where I I got a boyfriend. I fell in love with him. And I outed myself as being gay because yeah. I thought that that must be where it was. I going. have a penis. Mm. He has a penis. I like men. Yeah. I didn't mm. even, at this stage, I didn't know anything about trans. Yeah. Do you know right. what I mean? It, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't have been kind of a of, I, I suppose. No. And I think I have to kind of remind people as well, mm. you know, back then we didn't ha- even have mobile phones. There yeah. was no internet. There was no nothing. Yeah. There was no way of finding out anything. Mm. Yeah. 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 So I did have relationships with guys being yeah. a guy and I had a fair few of them. Um, and <laughs> There's no judgment here. Absolutely. <laughs> We've been but there, done still, it. The penis end of things was right, but it wasn't right because yeah. I, I wasn't right. You didn't you feel know what right I mean? yourself, So it's, yeah. it, it didn't feel right in myself at all. Yeah. So, But it wasn't really until probably about the... Then I went back to London, I think it was around 1984, I came back here, mm. and I kind of found myself then, and then I came across some other trans girls. I was in sitting, London? In, yeah, yeah, I was sitting in a late night drinking bar, and these two girls, I thought, they're gorgeous, mm. and somebody says to me, oh, they're working girls, I said, I don't care, <laughs> and I started talking to them, and then found out that they were trans, and, oh, the, wow. and the minute I started speaking to them, yeah. I knew I had found me. Wow. Wow. Literally then. Just by chance. Like, so, like, and did you just, what, like, did you just kind of, what did you just get into when you were talking? What made it kind of click for you? Basically, I uh, listened to their story and it was exactly like mine, except that they didn't get married and have the child. But everything else was the same. Exactly the same. And I just must, to them, when I look back on it now, I must have looked like I had just arrived from Granard and nowhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was yeah. like starstruck. I was just looking at these two girls and I actually made friends with them. We stayed friends for years afterwards. And wow. it was then that I realized, but at this stage, you must remember, this was 1986. And at this stage, i would made a really big name for myself as a hair and makeup yeah, artist. Absolutely, in like, in Dublin. Yeah, like I remember, like I like I've heard I had heard about you, and I had heard like not not at eighty six because I was only a child in eighty six, but you know when I heard of who you were, and I was thinking that you had a big name here. You had, didn't you have a salon? I had a salon. Yeah, yeah. and you had, had a salon. Uh, and... Yeah, you you were flying. 
Yeah, I was doing, like, I mean, and I was the first person actually in Ireland to actually do both hair and makeup. Before yeah. that, there was makeup artist mm. and hair hairdresser, so that they were separate. So, and then I then I started working with the likes of Tony Higgins, yeah. uh, Connor Horgan, you know, all of those. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like doing every magazine, you mm. magazine, it magazine, image yeah. magazine. It was all the editorials and all of that. And you then other people to. then, yeah. And it was just like, and, and the money then that I was earning was just like phenomenal yeah. at the time, you know? Right. And I just thought I wanted to take this a step further and mm. what could I do? Um, and I thought I'd really love to actually own my own model agency. Wow. But at this stage, I'm only in my 20s, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, Still a kid, like most really. people that have. Yeah, and most people that have model agencies that kind of go on to be model agents are probably my age now and have been through the whole mill. Anyway, I decided I would open a model agency. And everyone thought, of course, that was crazy. But within a year, I had all the top models joining and I was still doing hair and makeup. And just uh, it just went from, I had three Miss Ireland's in a row. And as much and all as the fame and the wonderful stuff that was happening around me, for me... It got worse because the more I, I became known, the yeah. harder it was for me to come out to right. be me. The more yeah. You were more kind of famous as... Like, yeah. As yeah. God, that must, you know? have, that must have felt like kind of almost like you were kind of suffocating or a bit like... I know, was. Yeah. And like it should have been a time in my life that you would think to yourself, God, my family could never get around me. God, you've got everything going, and everything going for you. Like mm. at this stage I was doing... I mean, Philip Tracy was just after coming out. Of I was doing his first hats, you know, John Rush, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Oldfield, from, I was like doing it all. And I was working in London as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was so you were kind of going between London like, places. Yeah. So um, like if I could have been Rebecca, I mean, it would have been wonderful. Mm, but yeah. and I, I, it then got leaked um, at the height of my career. <clears throat> and my drinking started that's when my drink up to that okay. i wouldn't have been a big drinker at okay. all i wouldn't have drank much at all and yeah. i certainly wouldn't have done drugs mm, yeah um and my drinking started to get heavier because there was this person just hidden inside and i didn't know yeah. how it was like i was felt like claustrophobic yeah. and i felt i actually tried to take my own life three Jesus. times yeah three, did you say three, thought, did you say three times yeah wow because i li- i literally thought i would be better off mm. dead you must have just I really felt genuinely so overwhelmed. Did. Like I did, and so alone and then, like, at that time as well. Like yeah. yeah, and especially in Ireland, and like any of my gay friends or whatever, I couldn't even like there was it, when you back then. I don't know. You probably even feel it. I probably have felt it over the years mm. to being drag queens yeah. or something like. Sometimes the gay community can be very dismissive of us girls I, I, do, you know I do think so we've yeah. spoke about in terms of <laughs> no, of of uh dating both from dating people and telling them you're a drag queen mm-hmm. sometimes they're a bit put off by that but also when we are dating people we've felt from the gay community sometimes people try and meddle in it and be like oh why are you dating that drag queen do you know what i mean yes yeah. yes yes yeah. so like, you know like even with yeah like a niche within a niche <laughs> so it's like oh yeah and you just think, why are yeah. we all having a go with each other? I know. But anyway, yeah. but, so that really kind of, uh, I struggled with that. And um, I think then somebody leaked something to one of the newspapers, okay. you know, the Red Top. Yeah. And that was it for me. And what did I they, mean, what I was did they leak? What happened? Like, what, what uh, were they, they saying? 
They've done a photograph of me in drag coming out of Madame Jojo's oh, in yeah, London. Yeah, I've mm. heard that, yeah. oh, when I say coming out, I should rephrase that. <laughs> falling out. <laughs> as we do. As yes, we, we do. As we yes. still do. Well. And, and, you, and you know yourself. Yeah. You're not at your prettiest no. when this is happening. No. So they had um, a split uh, front page, yeah. me as the male model, and then the other half as me like Lily Savage falling Jesus. out of a bar. Right. And the, the heading was, can you believe this is an Irish man? Oh my God, so, so hateful. Uh, what a hateful headline. Oh, like, yeah, so... and I had a model agency at the time. I had kids on my books. Yeah. You know, most of my girls were under 18. Yeah. Mm. So all of a sudden their parents were taken. I was like, I was a freak. I was a paedophile. I was everything. So almost like overnight, I lost everything. That's and I came to London with my tail between my legs. And I went from hero to zero oh in days. And just, in because, days. just because of the immediate attention for that. Yeah, like it's I, like they it's thing. I know things like that still kind of happen today, not as like extreme. And I know times were different. But that is when you think back, like it's so evil, isn't it? And so hateful. It was so and I was and I, I, I was already on hormones. Yeah. And nobody knew this because yeah. I was getting them on the black market because that was the only place I could get them. Mm. And then as well, I had been, I, which I had, haven't spoken about for years, but I, it's not even in my book. Mm. <clears throat> I speak about it now because I think it's relevant and I think it's really important I do. But I thought I, would, I had so much trans hate that I, I really didn't want AIDS hate as well. Yeah. I was diagnosed with AIDS in, this is the first interview I've done this, by the way, oh, like live. Wow. So, um, Thanks yeah. for sharing with us. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, I was diagnosed in nine because I was supposed to have my operation, my gender operation, 1987 into 88. But at that time, AIDS had kind of had hit yeah. town, you know, it hit, and it was like uh, tombstones falling out. Yeah. And I just thought I had to have an AIDS test here. Um, it was compulsory to have mm-hmm. an AIDS test. You're having any operation. Right. And of course, me being the snobby, posh girl that I am, I thought, well, I haven't done anything that risque at AIDS. Because I <laughs> yeah. genuinely thought back then, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way it was being described to you, you either had to be like a really bad, yeah, it was on heroin, everything, you right. know, yeah. or doing really kind of serious kind of gay sex stuff. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It was, I was, always, it was painted uh, out like that, though. It was painted out kind of like, yeah. like a dirty disease, like a dirty secret. And yeah, you know, it's not like what we know now. And then when I was told I had it, oh, my whole world just fell apart. And I was given two years to live. Oh, my gosh. And I was told I should tell my nearest and dearest. So my family had already been persecuted by the press <clears throat> over me being a trans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then even the, even my niece and nephews in school were getting terrible slagging. So that kind of pulled my family away from me in a way. And it was not that they wanted to, but it just did. It, yeah. it made that divide. Anyway, um, my world became smaller. I was brought to um, one of my aunts, bless her. She doesn't; she's not alive anymore. But I was brought to a monastery. I think they thought that they could exercise this out of me. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was it was so horrendous how I was treated. So eventually, anyway, I came back here and licked my wounds. I was told I could never have my operation, mm-hmm. um, and that that was that. And I think that's when I really kind of would have hit rock bottom mm-hmm. with alcohol and drugs. When, and I suppose... When was that, Rebecca? What year kind of would that have been? 89, 90, yeah. at that stage. By the time I was really... And I still would have had talent models, but I wasn't really running it at yeah. that stage. Do you know what I mean? 
um, I went to Amsterdam. I, I went everywhere to get away from everything. Just you know, I ended run. up as you as you want to run like, from me. Yeah, yeah, that must have been just so overwhelming. Like I can't imagine. And like what Ireland, like. Ireland, including the gay scene at the time, just totally turned their back on me being, a, you know, wanting to be a trans woman. Like mm. you must remember, even even up to this stage, that at that stage, there was still only really myself representing the trans community mm. and good old Mister Pussy representing the the drag. Mm. I mean, there were only kind of two people. There wasn't really that much anybody in between. Like, yeah. 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 There was, yeah. yeah. So that's all we had was, was each other, really, in that sense. And we didn't even see each other at this stage because I was here and he was there. Um, but I, then, then things, I didn't obviously die after two years. Mm-hmm. And I just eventually found a surgeon that would do my operation, but I had to pay an extra two grand. So I did. Mm-hmm. So by 1991, I had my operation and became Rebecca. Wow. wow. And yeah. And what I a, what a struggle like, to get there. I Jesus, know. what a road. Like yeah. that's before even you thought, even got there. That's that's crazy. I know. Like, and I thought that like well, once I have my operation, everything is going to be wonderful. Life is going to be. I have my vagina. What more can I want? Right, right. And life wasn't wonderful. Like because all of a sudden you were a post-op trans woman that didn't really fit anywhere. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? It was really strange. And I think my family at the time were kind of. They, my, I remember my mom, bless her, um, saying to me, sure, why don't you just keep dressing up? Why do you have to go and get these operations? You know, yeah. and God love her, like she didn't understand how important, it wasn't about dressing up, it was about, obviously it was about dressing up, but it was about my body being right. Yeah. Did she, and it was a long time. Um, Rebecca, did she understand sorry. how, uh, I, I, I'm presuming it was quite terrifying to go through with, the surgery um and that brought a whole other issue to deal with like how you were going to cope with that did she understand where you were at to like go through with that you have to be so sure do you know what i mean so strong i think she did i I don't think at the time she did i think it was more afterwards i think a couple of years afterwards i mean i remember when she saw me and all of that and she said well, I never thought I'd say this, she said. <laughs> but you look great. But is there nothing you can do about that? Our voice of yours. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so Irish. So that was, so Irish. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that was her way of accepting it. And, mm. you know, but it was a long, it was a long, it was a long road. And some people would say to me even today, oh, my God, how did you get through it? It's, it's not a pity story mm. at all. It's like any of us. I mean, maybe if I had to see what was ahead of me, I'd never have gone that yeah. way. But you just put one foot in front of the other and you just get on with it. That and I just wanted to be yeah. me well, that's, more than anything. That's what I was going to say. Know? Like, you know, I just think that your story, even up to that point, is just like incredible. It's it's such a survival story and such a human yeah. story because you're always just so honest and this is just how it was. And you're not a, like a victim or have a victim mentality about it. But when you look back on that time now, does that like... Like, does it feel like a million years ago or does it feel like, is it all still kind of raw or how do you feel about it, thinking back? It does, parts of it feel like a million years mm. ago and um, part, I, I knew when I was going to be doing this as well, I, I there was one thing that I really did want to say as well. I think society, like, like I mean, all, I know all of you now, do yeah. you know what I mean? I, even my, my nephew now is 20, he's come out being gay, they, but yeah. they've only ever known Rebecca. But I sometimes feel that Ireland itself, the media, mm. have never forgiven me. Wow. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, I mean, I, and sometimes I do feel a little bit resentful because I see other, which I'm delighted that I paved the way. I would never give yeah. that up for anything. Like absolute pioneer, like, you know, just, but it's amazing how quickly that the press will just, it's very like, I mean, yeah, that I don't think they've actually ever yeah. quite, I don't think, me. I don't think the Irish press in general are 100% comfortable with LGBT issues yeah. as is. Even now, I don't think that they have total respect. It's still always just this weird kind of undertone, I, I feel at times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in all different different levels of it. And then they kind of try to mask it and kind of at times and kind of make every, every you know, we're all, everything's good, it's all equal yeah. and all that. But there's a tone. There is still a tone there. Is. there. I think there still is. There is. Definitely. And they just, you know, it's, yeah, I think they like to feel that they're just ticking boxes. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And obviously not everyone, you know, you're, I'm not saying everybody that works in the media is, but, but there's definitely some outlets, I think, that, that are yeah. just ticking the box, unfortunately. And, and I suppose by being visible and, you know, get people talking about all the issues that there is, they, they, you can't deny that then. You know, it does become no. a, like did, a human issue. Did they give you an opportunity to tell your story back then, or were they just writing a story that they were saying this is your story? Yeah, no, and that's a really that's actually really important because no, uh, they didn't. And then again, at the time, I, I back then, like I mean, at this stage, I was in my late late twenties, early thirties, which I I thought was I mean, I was young, really, you know. Um, and I just remember thinking, I was asked to go on the Late Late Show. I was asked to go on Saturday. You know, all these. Oh. <laughs> One second. Just cancelled that You're there. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's fine. I've just cancelled that there. Sorry, we're very, very busy on the L Zoom today. <laughs> I know. It's great. So you were asked to go on to the Late Late Show. Yeah, and I, I did all of those. And I went on looking my best, doing everything, and mm. always trying to maybe get the opportunity to get my my yeah, point across. Tell your my story. Story. But I, I always put it down to this. I was they turned me into a Kerry Katona mm. at the time. Do you know what I mean? Well, it was the only person that I wasn't was, it? It was like they wanted yeah. like they wanted the sex, the salaciousness of yeah, it. They, and it was... Yeah, and they just yeah. Me being normal or me being nice didn't suit at all. But there were two. There were two people that were really, actually, very, very kind to me. And my went into was Pat Kenny and, of course, the gorgeous, wonderful late Jerry Ryan, who always stuck by me. Yeah, that weren't just looking for the sensationalization of my story. They wanted to know what it was like. Story. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think that went on for a long time. And then, of course, I got... Then, of course, I became my own worst publicity because then <laughs> I was a drunk yeah. and I was an addict. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was going around making a show myself. But at this stage, I was lost. That's, yeah. but that's, I didn't know, even know who I was at this stage, you know? I think sometimes, like, you know, and when we listen to the story now, it's, like, totally understandable that yeah. you could, you know see somebody going down that road but i think to not hear somebody's story and just to kind of write them off or say they're just a drunk or they're which it still kind of happens like yeah and i just think you know people just actually do need to be that little bit kinder i mean even when you think about caroline flack and how that went down you know absolutely the, the press were gunning for her and then within 24 hours of her passing they were rewriting what they were feeling about her and yeah. like, a, a lot of acknowledgement needs to happen uh, and people need to be held accountable for those things. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's, um, and it's almost like uh, it got for me a state. And then I, I would, I would kind of dip in and out, go back to Dublin, yeah. hoping Dublin, please, please, please accept me. Mm. Please, please take me in. And it didn't on many occasions. And I can understand a lot of that wouldn't have taken me in at times <laughs> either. <laughs> but at this stage, I was broken. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I wasn't trying to be anything. I was yeah. just, I was a lost soul. Yeah. Like a, for a person that I fought my whole life mm. to be Rebecca. And because it got so damaged along the way and society was so cruel yeah. that by the time I actually got to be me, I was, I Broken. was fucked. Yeah. Yeah. You like, know, I, I was fucked. I, I had, I, I had remember meeting you, Rebecca, I'd say it must have been about like maybe 2003, 2004. And, and I'd met you a couple of times through different people, but you, you probably wouldn't even remember, but I do remember feeling that you weren't at your best. And I, I remember. I was probably in one of my comas. Probably. Yeah. And I remember just, but like you were like wild. But then when I met you, when I met you years later, it, you know, you were like a, a different person. Like, yeah. So I've seen, yeah. you know, I've seen you. Both sides. That, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that's how, and then how some I some of my best, yeah, some of my best friends, which I won't name, yeah. obviously, you know, that were, you know, were in the, in the business and I like, I mean, I uh, just totally ignored me, you know, totally mm. blind me. So, I mean, I walked the streets of Dublin. I would have a bottle of vodka in my handbag. I'd go and sit in Stephen's Green. Mm. I'd never felt so alone in my entire life. Was there any and, support you know structure? What? Was there any, anybody? Nothing. Absolutely zero, mm. zero. I, and I, I don't, I'm, I, I believe you, me, I, I, I tried to find it. I ended up in rehabs. I ended up in A&Es. I ended up being called it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I had to, like, it was like I went to a stage where I just, I just wasn't even, to me, even, I didn't even feel like a human being anymore. Yeah. You know, it was so lost. And any relationships I had, they were all so volatile and, they all broke up. Well, it's very hard to have a relationship with somebody who just doesn't even know themselves anymore. Yeah. You know, it had really gotten to that. It was, I don't know how it ever turned around, but it did, yeah. thank God. But it was, it was at one stage, and I would keep going back to Ireland. That's why I always say, when I just said earlier, I don't think Ireland, Dublin especially, ever forgave me because I went back so many times yeah. to just have somebody listen somebody just hear me yeah. you know and then every time i would do an interview with a paper i me stupidly because even though after all i've been through in a weird sort of way i still was that naive little boy from granard mm. and just thought they're going to write something they have to what more shit can they yeah. write yeah and then the headline would be something outrageous you know what i mean something outlandish and then of course my family would go oh no she goes again yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. and every time I did it and I don't know it's like it's a bit like that old saying you know fool me once shame on you mm-hmm. but shame on me but I just kept hoping that yeah. somebody out there would just write something nice about me yeah and it just didn't happen not not and especially when I was in that city and I'd one newspaper that when they realized that I was an addict and that I was a drunk that they fed my addiction and everything to get stories out of me about me Oh, and of wow. course I did them because I needed the drugs yeah. and I needed the, yeah. the alcohol. That's outrageous. And it was pretty, yeah, it was mm. horrendous, you know. But you know what, I, I, I don't even like, to me, yeah. they've got to live with that. That's their, their God, stuff, yeah. not like, mine that is now, like the you know. The low. Talk about like kicking someone when they're down. 
And yeah, and I suppose, yeah. What do you think was the point then when you kind of said, like, enough is enough, I need to get my shit together? Like, was there a moment? There was a moment. It was um, around 2006 when I was back. I was living here at the time, anyway, in London. And I woke up one morning and... I should say I came too. <laughs> After one of, from one of my comas. <laughs> we can relate, Rebecca. <laughs> I had a lot of comas. <laughs> and I came through. And I remember getting ready the night before. I was living in Victoria at the time. And I was getting ready, full makeup. And of course, at that stage, I had more makeup and more makeup and more makeup and more mm. makeup. I'd have outdone any of you with me. <laughs> and the hair, the hair just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I was trying to look normal. Yeah. <laughs> natural. Again, oh, natural. we could Don't, yeah. <laughs> Don't think that worked. So, and then I woke up on my floor and, and my hand, my whole arm hand was this size. And there was a half a bottle of vodka beside me. Mm. So to this day, I don't know if I went out and got into a fight, if I boxed the door, if I did anything. And I just thought, that's it. I got the rest of the vodka, poured it down this thing, and I rang AA and got help. And then I started doing recovery. And it was very slow. It was very slow. At first, I I thought, I I, I just realized that I needed, it wasn't actually the alcohol or the drugs I needed. For me, it... it, um, it was almost like it, it anesthetized me. It, it got rid of the pain. Okay. And then to stop drinking and to stop drugging, all of a sudden, oh my God, the pain was just so bad. It was like what you said earlier, every bit of pain that I ever knew in my entire life just, whoa, yeah. it was like a tsunami tight, coming yeah, in on me. It was absolutely horrible. And I got up to about two months of being sober and it, I, but I didn't even know. I didn't even have to go into a shop and buy shopping. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't. I was almost like having to relearn how to do stuff. Yeah. And the pain was so bad <clears throat> that one day I just said, I had a load of antidepressants at home, mm-hmm. and I thought I can't do this. I just can't mm-hmm. do this. And I bought a bottle of vodka, went home, took the painkillers, and took the vodka. And the next thing. <clears throat> and I had an old Nokia phone at the time, and I just texted help to one of my friends. Um, and he there was only two numbers on my phone yeah. uh, on speed dial, my drug dealer and my friend. Oh, wow. That was it. Yeah. yeah. And thank God it was my friend that I hit help. Anyway, he came around, and the next thing I remember was coming to in the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital on a life support machine that I'd been on for three days. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and then I thought, that, then I left it, I left hospital two days later and I thought um, that I'd be okay. But I went to buy another bottle of vodka. I just wanted to die. I genuinely wanted to die. I didn't realize I was on suicide watch. And then I was um, grabbed by these two big burly women, let's call it. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and I was brought into this, I was sectioned. I haven't told this really like this yeah. before either. So, but it's nice for me to get it out. Yeah. Good for me to get it out. Nice. Um, and I got sectioned where I literally couldn't go to the toilet. I couldn't do anything without somebody standing over me. And for me, that was my rock bottom. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was that was such a rock bottom. So from that day to this, and I, I was in there for a month. So from that day to this, I've never picked up a drink or yeah, a drug. And my amazing. life did start to change. Yeah. But... I was in that 
place, that horrible place for about a month. And the nurses and doctors in there, well, care, like, there, uh, there, were, there weren't really nurses and doctors, but, and they would refer to me as it. Oh, my wow. God. And this is only like in the noughties. Yes. Like, that's it. Yes. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. And of course, my family at this stage didn't even know where I was. They they assumed I was dead because oh, they couldn't God. find me yeah. or anything. So anyway, um, and this would have been after you probably had seen me around 2003. Yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. because yeah, I remember so you just was, disappeared. You had disappeared. Yeah. People had said that you'd gone back to London and then it just it was just radio silence. Nobody had heard anything. Yeah. So um, I'm still then, really like, taken it, it aback took... that in in the noughties that they were referring to you as it. Like that's really yeah. kind of it's it's actually unbelievable. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, like uh, in terms of of around that time, would say Nadia have been on on Big Brother? Yeah, I, I, I like uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, she would have been. I kind of she would have been actually. Looking back, I kind of feel like oh things were more further on than than that kind of language but clearly not no and i, I it got a bit more horrible as well um anyway basically yeah. i i came out of there i got i got sober i got my life but I, I somebody showed me facebook yeah so i was like this teenager with facebook <laughs> and my Alicia fr- missed one of my Bebo. best <laughs> you missed people thank god <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i really i was like a 14 year old with facebook mm. And I had, I, you know, I was that um, computer illiterate. I mean, yeah. I actually used to get a panic attack even trying to remember my email address. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It, yeah. was, it was such big stuff. But you think of it, all I ever had was a drug dealer and my friend on yeah. speed dial on one of those idiot. Do you remember the Nokia yeah, and the yeah, bricks? Yeah, yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so coming out of a coma to modern day yeah. living was pretty tough. Anyway, I my friend was with me. She's still one of my best friends, Hannah. And she says to me, try and find your sister. She might, I said, my sister wouldn't be on Facebook. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no way she'd be on Facebook. Yeah. And there she was. And I found her. And that I must have felt her. like a key just to, to like a second did, chance. But I, Davina, I, I was so, so nervous. I was so yeah, nervous right. because I thought... I thought at this stage, I thought they, nobody wants to know me. Do you mm. know what I mean? Nobody. And like me coming back, oh, look at me. Oh, pretty and sober. I'm wonderful. Yeah. I knew I'd left a carnage behind me at that stage too. Right. Do you know what I mean? I think it takes a lot but more was, guts, doesn't it though, to, to come back it from It does. That. Like it takes it so much more than people yeah, I think would ever realise. And I, I, but, but I, my sister is my sister mm. and she was delighted to hear from me and she was, she, they thought I was dead. They genuinely did. Jesus. Anyway, she came over to see me and my niece came with me and that's when things really hit me. Like all of a sudden my niece is a grown woman. Mm. You think all those years are you gone, missed, you know, you just, out. yeah. But, uh, and then she said to me, why don't you come back to Ireland for your birthday? My birthday is the 6th of June. And I did, and it was in 2009. Mm. And at this stage, I'm like only, I'm not even two years kind of sober, which anyone in Italian recovery, it takes more, like it takes a long time before you thaw out. Yeah, you know, okay. it really does. Especially when you've done the drug, the drinking and drugging I've done. Um, and so anyway, I came back and this is going back to that. I remember getting off the airplane and thinking to myself, I hadn't been in Ireland. I knew I hadn't been in Ireland for five years. Mm-hmm. And I knew I'd left carnage behind, no matter where I went. Mm. I hope there was carnage left. And I was so scared of bumping into anybody. 
mm-hmm. or anyone. Yeah. So I just started, to, I just thought I'm going to do my meetings. I didn't want to stay with any of my family. I booked into a hotel. I thought I needed my own space. <clears throat> and I was coming out of one of the AA meetings and met two friends of mine on the street, one of them being Michael Wright. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, from the right, that's and he said, from the right yeah, in Dublin. Yeah, yeah. And we would have been friends from way back in the rave days when I ran a club on Leeson Street and he had one. I ran a, somebody got me to manage a club on, on, on Leeson Street called Chaos because it was so quiet. It was chaos when I was finished with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how I knew yeah. Mike the right. And he saw me and he says, oh my God, it's so good to see you. So I saw you about four or five years ago in London and you were a mess. Yeah. But you look great now. He says, I'm opening a club. <clears throat> in the right venue mm. and it's going to be called the right venue he said and i would love you to work for me i said i he said there's no he, he was in recovery he knew other people in recovery yeah. that would look after me <clears throat> he said i'd love you to do burlesque and all of that and i said okay and the money was brilliant yeah. everything so i spoke to my sister and they said why not do it yeah. you might yeah. as well yeah. do you know what i mean so anyway, I came back, but I didn't give everything up here like I had done before and then end up being stranded stuck. in my own. Very good. Stuck mm-hmm. yeah. there. So um, I started the job. My name was Lady V. Yeah. And one of the journalists came along to do an interview on me and she was just such a B one, you know. Right. Yeah, and yeah. she was asking me all about, and then she kind of goes, uh, well, is it true? I heard rumors that you've got AIDS. And I just thought, you know what? Oh, my God. Like, I just said, yeah, like exactly. And in front of everybody, we were in um, a tow rag, it was horrible. Yeah, and I said, I said, no, actually, I'm perfectly healthy. So I knew then that I had to really keep my HIV stuff quiet, yeah, Yeah. which really kind of saddened me in a way because I think I was probably ready to talk about that, but Mm -hmm. I knew after the way she bombarded me like that, anyway, went to work in the right venue, was working there a month and discovered I was working with my daughter. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That I hadn't seen since she was two. Oh, my God. And she didn't know who I was. And it was just through friends. I don't want to talk too much about it. It's her story too much. Yeah, which is totally fair. And then... And then I find out that I'm a grandparent. Oh, my God. Rebecca, that is proper EastEnders. Oh like, dun, dun. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you just, yeah, you just think to yourself. What did you think? I, when I did. Well, like, what went, what was the, like, when I, you I went into, that, I was. What did you think? And she wasn't working yeah. that weekend. It was the August bank holiday weekend. Mm. And she was away for that weekend. And it was her friend said to me, oh, you must know so-and-so, so-and-so's. Um, father, yeah. he ran away to England to have a sex change, and I thought oh. maybe I do. What? And she said my name, and then oh I went, God. and then and then I, I, I was in full full burlesque, feathers yeah. coming oh out of God. every place. Yes, and I just ran into the toilet and I just threw up. It was oh. two minutes to opening. Now you know what it's like before. Yeah, right. over and over. Right. Two minutes to opening time. Not a drink in me. No, no, no drug. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Cold, sober. Jesus Christ! That and is... I had to walk. And you've been to the right venue. Yeah. yeah. And I had to walk all around that place and get photographs taken of me and go on stage and do the whole thing. Yeah. Oh Two minutes to ten before we open. That is nuts. Your head must yeah. have been a mess, like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, but also, how wild uh, is that? That Like, that's yeah. fate, and I really believe yeah, in those things. Sure. Yeah. Like, things happen for a reason. A reason. 
And that's when we would have met around yeah, the time. It was. Then I was staying with, with yeah, Sam. With and, Sam. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I, like, I remember when, when I met you, like, you were so together and you were so calm and just, like, zen in yourself. And you were honestly, like, a completely different person. Like, and it was just, it was great to see you come back from yeah. that. Yeah. Like it was just but even then, it. even at that stage, I was still like a rabbit in headlights were, because yeah, I was still afraid. Very, yeah. <clears throat> I was afraid and I was afraid to say anything. I was afraid to do anything. I mean, I really, even for myself, I felt like I was walking on eggshells. Yeah. And I'd had such a bad history with Dublin and what it had done to me. Mm. <clears throat> and I was afraid that if I was going to drink or drug again, it would be kind of Dublin that would do it to me or, right. or some, you know, like the way yeah. we know, like Dublin's wonderful and mm. I love it as my, you know, it's my home and everything, but there's some nasty people there oh, too. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Is. Yeah. It's a, and it's, when they're nasty. Yeah. Well, I think it, it comes nasty, from community, you know, when it, when it, when something is, is small and everyone knows each other, then you yeah. it can get in your head when people yeah. start talking about you. And then as well, on top of that, to find yourself yeah. back working in nightlife when you're trying yes. to actually avoid Avoid that actually, lifestyle in in another way actually, was brave yeah. as well. Like Rebecca, what was that like? Actually, just like you know, from from kind of being sober person going back to work in night. Like, how was that? It was tough. It was tough, but it's the best thing I ever did. It's a bit like it's like jumping at the deep end. Yeah, because I know loads of people in recovery today, and they can't walk into a pub or a nightclub. I can. Yeah, yeah. Because of that, which you is great. I, mean? I did that yeah. then. Yeah, I did that for a while after. And then I thought, well, I can't really kind of be working like feathers coming out of everywhere. I just met my daughter, do you know what I mean? And I'm a, gran- I'm a granny now as well. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden. So that's when I started to have in model management. I yeah. thought it would work again. Yeah. But of course, it had all changed. It had all gone, you know, like, I mean, I remember back in the day it was before mobile phones as well. Yeah. And, you know, people had proper portfolios. So I was a bit lost there, but it was the best thing I ever did because it gave me kind of like a platform again. And then I was on Ireland AM and then I came off one day and this woman rang me and says to me, oh my God, just, I, I was a very edited version of my story because at this stage I've learned not to feed Give it all away. I, I, for their ratings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I gave them a very edited version mm. of my story. I certainly hadn't fed them that I that I had bumped into my daughter by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Jeez. Because that's the one thing that I wanted to do and I have done since that. I don't want, it's not the Jeremy Kyle show. I don't want my yeah. daughter or my granddaughter Absolutely. brought into this at all. No. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she said to me, oh my God, have you ever written a book or anything like that? I said, no, she says, well, you should. So I started writing it and then she got somebody to help me to help it. And I wrote the book and it came out and it came out in 2010. <clears throat> That's when things changed. But in that whole book, I never once mentioned I'd HIV. I mentioned that I was a madam in a brothel in Amsterdam, <laughs> that I everything, yeah. you know what I mean? That I'd been a sex worker myself, that I'd done all of that. Yeah. I but I thought Ireland will accept that, but the HIV thing, I just still didn't think that they would, you know, yeah. take well, it especially on board. with the journalists kind of coming at you like that and you're just kind of yeah. like it's not it's not painting a great making it very open for you or easy for you but also as well no. to, to add that there's still people living in dublin mm-hmm. who don't feel like they can disclose their yeah. status who are still keeping it to themselves and carrying that burden because of what you're saying it, it, it is yeah. still a yeah. stigma so it is and I, I think i i ended up that i just i embraced it anyway in the end but dublin went okay for me then yeah. and then 
I was on medication for my HIV. I was actually back living in my little hometown in Granard, and I used to commute up and down. Mm. Then my mum got Alzheimer's, so I started trying to look after her, and we had to put her in a home. But it was pretty. But my family started to get to know me. Yeah, mm. like the real new without you. drink, yeah. the real me. You know, mm. and even though I was, I was, I was like a terrified child at the time because I had nothing to, you know. I couldn't drink. I, I didn't. And the thing is, I had gotten to a stage where I really didn't want to drink anymore or drug. I don't know what had happened. Something shifted in me that that went. And my life did start to get better. And then I started hang, hanging out with people that I knew from before, the likes of Maria Fusco and all that. My, then I yeah. started kind of living a life that Ross had lived. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it felt really good. And I, I was starting to feel a part of society again. And, I think in the book, when the book came out, um, I think people started to see things differently. And I give you a really, I was back, I was in the supermarket in my little hometown of Brownard, and this nun comes up that had taught me in baby school. Wow. Held my hand and says, Oh dear, I read your book. She says, We should have been more kind to you. And of mm. course, the only thing that came into my head was, the brothel. Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Oh, I yeah. went, oh my God, the brothel and Amsterdam. That's all that I could think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's and sweet I though, actually, isn't it? Granard, yeah, it really is. And Granard was probably the sweetest to me, really, all the way through. They just thought once I'm happy, that's all that matters. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's amazing. And, yeah, so and anyway, it's that kind of small town. Yeah. Like you're one of theirs, you know, that kind of way? Yeah. I think some towns exactly. Would be like that. Yeah, which was really good. But then what happened was I ran out of medication for HIV, my HIV medication. I didn't want to. I remember once going to James's and I walked into the waiting room and there were all these people I knew from my past. Yeah. And some of them were going, hey, you're Ross. Hey, you're Ross. Oh, you know, and yeah. I thought, I legged it. Yeah. I yeah. legged it. I thought, oh, my God. the pre-. And I was so paranoid as well because I thought, the press are going to get hold of this. Next thing I'm going to see is, Rebecca has AIDS. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I yeah. thought, I cannot do that. So I st- I didn't have my meds. I went mm. into denial and I got very, very ill um, around 2013. And I had lost all my hair at the time, which mm. is all going back to yeah, you. Now. Gorgeous, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd lost all my nails. My teeth were rotting, everything. And then I went to my GP. I was kind of getting sick all the time. He said I, that I had pneumonia. And then I broke down to him oh. and said, well, I've got HIV. So, and he jumped back for me. Oh, he wow. went, oh, dear. And then I was brought up to James's and I was put into the ward that they put me in because it was HIV, AIDS, with AIDS-related yeah. illness. Um, it was with the sex workers and drug addicts. Okay. That's how they treat. That was 2013. We're talking about the naughties. Yeah. That was 2013. <clears throat> and then I could, I had um, the start of cancer in my throat. That you know, I, I couldn't swallow anything or anything like that. So they didn't even have the meds there for me because at that stage, I, I, they weren't funded like London has been funded yeah. throughout. You know, because mm-hmm. most people that have HIV, they probably get their meds over here. So. It didn't, that was even then. That's only what seven years ago now, when yeah. I think of it. So, once again, I was told I had about 18 months to live. Jesus. And um, yeah, and I was living in Mullingar at this stage and commuting up and down to Dublin working. And I was working in a salon in Mullingar. I was actually really doing well. I had a lovely house, had a car, everything. 
family was all on my side and then all of a sudden this do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was absolutely horrendous no i couldn't get anybody i couldn't have anybody come in and see me in hospital because i knew if they came into the ward yeah the hospital block that yeah. they'd know i either was uh, a prostitute yeah. right. on heroin or i'd aids yeah. do you know what i mean so there was only one friend who was very dear to me at the time and who looked after me and came all the time was mary mcavoy Good old oh, Biddy from Glen. Because yeah. she's been my friend for yeah. decades. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So she knew everything. And she came and collected me and brought me home. But they told me then in the hospital mm-hmm. that I probably had less than a year to live. That's crazy. And I was painting. After coming yeah. all that way, like I'm kind of getting yeah. overcoming so yeah. much. Like, Yeah. And this was just 2013. Yeah. And everything going so well. So all of a sudden, I thought, I remember going back down to Mullingar with Mary and almost like nearly planning my next kind of couple of months or whatever I had to live. I remember sitting in the living room and I just said to myself, no, fuck this. Yeah. I have not come this far for it to end yeah. here. Yeah. I'm going to get a second opinion. So I came back to London, went to the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. They told me, I, the Cobra Centre, they told me I was very ill, but that there was... um treatment coming out from America that was working on people like myself that had a huge resistance to medication um, but that I would have to be living here so that's why I left Dublin uh, again so once okay. again yeah. everyone just saw Rebecca run yeah. right. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Health, yeah. yeah it was for my health so I had to give everything up there again Oh, th- this time I didn't have to give my family up they yeah. knew what was happening mm-hmm. you know but my daughter didn't know yeah um, I just told her I needed to get back to London. And anyway, I came back. Um, and it took about 18 months for them to get me to undetectable. And it was then, that I think that time, it was a bit like another rock bottom for me without the drugs or the drink. And I remember thinking to myself, do you know what? If I get undetectable again, I am not hiding in the shadows anymore. Because there's only one person this is affecting, really, is me. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, I'm going to do something with my life, something completely different than I've ever done before if I get undetectable. I made that promise to myself. And I got undetectable, I think it was December 2015. And at this stage, Terence Terence Higgins-Truss were very good, uh, very supportive. And they had a work-positive program going on there. So I joined it where I learned computer skills. I learned a lot more. And I was doing some admin just to learn admin. Anyway, there was this uh, this program that they had in there called Positive Voices, where people living with HIV go around schools mm. and disclose their status and all that. So I went to listen, I shadowed. Mm. And I remember this woman just standing up and um, she was, had been married, had a kid and everything. And she's telling this arena of kids from 14 to 18, you know, about 200 of them, telling her story, telling her everything. And I thought I would give anything to be able to do something like that because yeah. i felt at this stage I've, I've lived such a dishonest life i've always had to pretend to be something i wasn't or you know yeah. it was never you wanted the freedom was, so mm. i wanted yes that's 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 the word yeah so then i rang my daughter i told her exactly what was happening i told her what i wanted to do and she told me I love you. And when you walk into a room, you light it up and go and shout it from the rooftops. That's amazing. And then I, yeah. And then I started doing the public speaking. Do you know what? The first time I did it was in this school in East London. And I was petrified going in. Can you imagine 14 year olds and all that? I told my whole story and they all stood up and clapped and everything. 
I walked out of there with the best drug I had ever taken. That's yeah. amazing. Ever. Yeah. But that's ever. And then I went, yeah, like, I went on to do more of it as well, which was brilliant. Your story is incredible. That's why we, we have been saying for a long time that we really wanted to get you on because it's like there's so many facets. I do feel like you're like a phoenix yeah. that will just constantly rise from the ashes. Like you've just like you've risen so many times. It's it's yeah. an amazing story and it deserves to be told for sure. Yeah, and then it was like after I did that, then that was great. Then Gilead Science, who who uh, are creators of like the HIV medication, they got to hear about me. Then I did um, a campaign with them, and then I put it up on Facebook, which was all over Ireland. Everything I said this is probably the bravest thing I've ever done. Right, and it's me saying I'm HIV. Oh my god, the positive response I got from it was huge. Yeah. Right, so then I just thought to myself, and then I started working at Fifty Sixteen Street, um, which is part of Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, mm-hmm. who I work for now. Um, and I just thought, I just I was looking at loads of trans people going around, and I was saying, oh my god, look at the way they're dressed, look at this, they're, they're no, and I wanted to do something. So I combined my past life as a stylist, hair, makeup, you know, model agent, mm-hmm. all of that. And then all the sexual awareness stuff that I had done. So I created Project Bootcamp. Okay. And um, it was for trans girls transitioning through. And it's really tough. And I suppose I realized when I came back here <clears throat> that I had to go to the gender identity clinic a few times back here. And I just went in and I thought, oh, my God, talk about me being in a coma. They've been in a coma for 30 years. Right. It literally had not moved. It was like going into a time tunnel and yeah. going back in time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this is London, one of the major cities in the world, yeah. and this is how how trans people are being treated. Like yeah. they are being treated like shit. Yeah, I, I walked in and they would say, "Oh my god, I love your handbag. I love it. If you look great, you're fine. But if you didn't, and I just felt that was really bad because to me, it's not. I mean, it's great if you look well. Yeah, but that doesn't dictate who you are no. inside. No. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And these people, and there was nobody trans or even. Anybody from the LGBT on the on reception, mm. and they were being. Tra- I saw these people walking in, being treated like horribly. Yeah. So I just they wanted just to, to change involved. things. Yeah, and then I started working in Dean Street, and they. Um, I I now run a clinic in there on a Wednesday night called Fifty Six T. I do my boot camp. Chelsea Football Club support me. Gilead wow. Science support me, and I, I, I was funded. And Q Bar here in London, and yeah. all the drag queens. We know your friends uh, with Lady, Lady Lloyd, yeah, oh, friend of ours, yeah, yeah. Le- yeah Lady Lloyd, Lloyd uh, me and her became friends in 2013 when I came back yeah. here. And you know what? I'd have been lost without Lloyd then, because Lloyd was the only person I could tell I had HIV. That's how yeah. it was. Yeah, I used to go around all. I'm with Bagger. And yeah. you know Bagger, yeah. Bagger. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and Bagger was great as well. So we went everywhere together and they just remained my friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um anyway, last year I was looking for funding for the, the boot camp and um Gary Henshaw, who's for, who owns Q Bar, is Irish. All right. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. He he actually used to be my boyfriend back in the day, but that's oh. another story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, when I was a boy, yeah. Um, but um, so it, uh, Lloyd put on this dragathon, and do you know what? It was just before Christmas, and Gary Henshaw, and they had an auction for me. I miss Kimberly, who's one of my best friends yeah. from the eighties. She did um, the auction. They raised eleven and a half grand for wow. me. But do you know what? I swear to God, 
where the dragathon was later on that evening, and I thought a few drag queens would show up. But every drag queen in London showed up to support me and the boot camp. It was unreasonable. Yeah. You know, it was just unbelievable. So the boot camp has gone from strength to strength. Also, Kensington Palace. They allow me have sessions in there, and I have my graduation for the boot camp oh in there as God. well. Well, How inspiring. Of, <clears throat> you've always been a yeah, and because of all, <laughs> Yeah, and because of all we've been doing now, uh, National Health England have funded Dean Street. Yeah. For us now, we're, we've started this new thing. It's Trans Plus. So it's like the gender identity clinic. And, you know, like for, for kids that are just starting on their hormones and all that. So now this is starts. So yeah. I am now the peer support worker That's on amazing. that. So I look at, yeah. And it's, it's so it must, it must feel really great to be able to give back as well, like with your wealth of experience and like is. your like life experiences. It must. I mean, but it's really uh, it's every part of your life coming yeah. together, like from all of your experience. Yeah. That's incredible. It's like it was meant to be in a weird way. Isn't yeah, it? and I, I suppose one. Uh, I remember like when at uh, the the World AIDS Conference two years ago. I was supposed to be at San mm. Francisco this year, but because of all of this. Mm. I remember standing up on the stage, right? And there was 2,000 people in the arena and telling my story. And I just thought, you know what? This is all I ever wanted mm. to do. And if only back in the day, just somebody had listened, yeah. they might have seen that there was a human being yeah. behind all the facade that they've made me out yeah. to be. And it's amazing how people paint this picture of you. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I've yeah, bumped God. into loads of people along the way. Like, oh my God, I never thought you were going to be like that. I thought you were going to be this, that, the other. I said, well, I probably was all those this, that, and the others <laughs> as well. But underneath there so, was a real human who just needed to be yes, listened to. All I just, uh, and even in telling all this, you know, the only thing I ever wanted to be was Rebecca. As yeah. simple as that. Yeah. And now my book is going to be made into a movie. Oh my God, amazing. Stop. And actually, here's a good question. Congratulations. <clears throat> who would you like to play you? That's a good question. It has to be Kim Cattrall. Kim, oh my God, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, okay, I, I see that. that. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you've thought about this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, was, that was too quick off the off the tongue. Well, yeah, because this has been in in uh, kind of um, talks and in sessions for. But I just got to uh, because there was two people who were going to do the script writing. It was either going to be Emma Thompson or somebody else. But Emma Thompson is work. Do you know Katie Brand, the comedian? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's writing the script. For wow, it. that's amazing, Incredible. Rebecca. That's like I'm so glad. I'm so uh, delighted for you. I feel like yeah. totally deserved. Like you're just a legend, Re- Rebecca. Oh. Can I ask where feels like home? Because you've mm. obviously been so oh, that's divided. That's a great question. Yeah, that's a fucking brilliant question, and I'm sorry for cursing on that. But <laughs> that, needed, that, deser- that deserved a fuck. Um, it saddens me. It, it, London is my home. As I always say, you know, like that, uh, born in Ireland, made in America, made in UK. You know what I mean? Mm. I was definitely made in London. But it saddens me every time I, come, I go home because now I feel like a visitor in my own hometown. Okay. And that's where I, when I said earlier, I feel Dublin has never really forgiven me. And it is sometimes sad to go back. It's wonderful to go back and see how things have changed how gender has changed, how we have a gay theater shop, all of mm. that, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. But you know what? But for me, that's all surface stuff. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Let's get down and dirty yeah. about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's accept people that have done stuff. I have do- I have never done Ireland any harm. Do you no. know what I mean? No. 
And I do, it's when you say that, I sadly can't call Dublin home. And do you know what? Even up to recently, I'd still, if you were to ask me today, mm. I would still come back to Dublin in the morning yeah. and live there. Yeah, but you know when something hurts, when yeah. something hurts is so badly. It you know? feels like and London was was yeah. your was your guardian angel in yeah. a weird way as well. Do you yeah, know what I mean? that that's you've had a special relationship and it's brought you back yeah. and given you that yeah. space. I, um, I tell you what, lockdown, lockdown's lockdown's done a lot for me too. That I and I love London and mm. it is my home. But I often when I go back, I don't kind of go out and about as much as I used to, and, and I need to. I need. I need a bit of more drag in my life. I need to start getting out, going out a few nights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Enjoying Dublin yeah. again. Well, when you're back, we have to... I, not up. not just go to a show. I have to say, I've never gotten the opportunity to really speak to you. Mm. Um, you really do... Uh, radiate warmth and love and oh, and such you. an amazing that's story so and I'd love if if you've time next time you're in Dublin if me and Davina could take you for dinner because we would love um, that. I would love absolutely that. love that beyond the drag shows because <laughs> we expect you to be there front row that goes without saying <laughs> absolutely but, uh, but a bit of, but a bit of grub would be great yeah. because um, I have to say I've really really enjoyed this chat yeah. you are are someone we should all be very proud of in Ireland. Oh, thank yes. you so much. And uh, do you know what? I know people are very kind of, you know, it, it's something that I, I, why should people have to wait to be dead to be appreciated? You know, for people to, to be yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I've done a lot for it, but do you know what? I did it. I didn't do it knowingly. No. You know, I, I didn't I, know I was the first in Ireland to do this. I, I actually changed the passport to female by accident because yeah. I went in screaming at them because I couldn't get back from Greece. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I had, a fi- that, I had a female name on it and male and they were going, no, 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 you're female but it says male. This fake passport. You know, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I went in screaming and shouting and I kind of used my celebrity to a point at that stage and said I would go to the press and show and I got it changed <laughs> by default. You know, but it is nice to, it yeah. is kind of not I'd be a liar or be fake if I didn't yeah. say it is nice to be recognised in your own lifetime. Mm. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, as well. And deservedly so. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, <clears throat> thank you so much uh, for, ha- for oh, chatting with pleasure. us. pleasure. It's been absolutely thank wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, your book is still available online, isn't it? It's, well, tell us yeah, what the name of the is. book is. His name is Rebecca. And that's available online. Yeah. And thank yeah. you again for having us. And we look forward watch to watching. Watch this space. Yeah, let's watch do this, this space. Again yeah. Sometime. Yeah. And well, and watch out for the movie. Give, give I my need love to everybody. Oh, we will. Yeah. We will. Thank you so much, thank Rebecca. You. Bye. See you soon. Bye, love. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.